Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And happy new year. Welcome to our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast here on Monday, December 31st, 2018 for episode number 111. We are kicking off season 12 here as we end the year, but it is still the same old OVP. I am Joe Murata alongside baby new year himself, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody uh, in a diaper. Yeah, nice diaper. diaper (laughs) He's just sitting in a diaper. And folks, we thank you for sitting in your diaper and listening to us here (laughs) as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling here to close out the year, but kick off season. Uh, I want to remind you before we get into our new topics for the the season here. Yes, that's all right. Uh, Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter if you haven't yet at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there is a really good place. No diaper picks, please. Yeah. Uh, to chat with me, Quinn, and a bunch of other retro wrestling fanatics. And Quinn, that is over on Facebook, I think. Yes, Facebook.com slash diaper. <laughs> of course. I mean, what, what else well, what would else it be you for do? this episode, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place where you can go to look at pictures of Big Show in a diaper. Yes, you can. And other diaper-related things. Gold as well a diaper. as retro wrestling. We yeah. also do that over there. You can talk about that. We mainly do that, but we also have diaper-related content. There's a diaper subreddit <laughs> in it, I think. And this is a great Facebook group, uh, diapers notwithstanding, because... R slash retro diapers. <laughs> retro diapers. Because you get to talk about retro wrestling uh, with people that don't want to be a jerk, which yeah. is kind of rare on the internet. Yeah, people who aren't babies. Yeah, who aren't babies, so don't get dirty diapers. Yeah, don't get diaper rash or anything like that. <laughs> so don't be rash. Go over there to Facebook and uh, join the group. You can do that by searching for our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. That's yes, right, Quinn. That, that's and, what it is. Thank you. And you join I was the baby here. Yeah, and you join the group, and we will let you in. And really, it'll be a fun time. So if you have a Facebook. Go over to join the group, and if you don't have a Facebook, get one and then join the group, and it'll be fun. It's free. Yeah, it's it is free. I mean, try it. I heard. Yeah, that, no, it is. It still is. Is there a sale on Facebook <laughs> accounts? <laughs> you got a coupon. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is we do have a Patreon, which we'll talk more about later, but it is patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We have some cool rewards over there, so check that out if you want to. And later on in the show, we'll also mention some friends of the show, the other podcasts about wrestling that are not Conrad Thompson. Are they diaper-related? Sometimes. Okay. So we'll check those out later as well. But Quinn, to kick off this new season here, if you're a newer fan, maybe you've only started listening last season. Every year, well, every year, every, every year. season, yeah. <laughs> Quinn and I, we rotate, we switch up the opening segment. Yeah, that's what we do around here. That's, that's what we've what, been doing. That's pretty much the only thing that denotes a season at this point. At this point, and sometimes we'll change other stuff. It but, used to change more. You can go back and listen oh, to yeah. that on uh, ovppodcast.com. Yeah, the, the archive. Yeah, you know, the archives. Dip into yeah. the archives there. But this season, this time around, uh, we're going to take a suggestion from Dave Van Antwerp, friend of the show, uh, someone you can find on Facebook if you want to talk to him. He, uh, I felt out, you know, for some suggestions for this season. He had a good one, Quinn. Yeah. And it is 
downfalls. Now, downfalls, obviously, for something to fall down, it either needs to be Fred Ottman in the Stormtrooper helmet. Yeah, that. Or, or it needs to have been good at some point and then had a downfall. So only those two things. <laughs> yeah, it's either. Does that mean that we have to at least talk about Fred Ottman at some point in this this season? Well, I would imagine our fans would be so disappointed if we right, didn't. Okay. So, so the downfall of Fred Ottman. <laughs> Maybe that'll. Uncle Fred. That'll happen. Uncle Fred. Yeah. And folks, we are taking your suggestions on these. So go over to ovppodcast.com, click on suggestions, open up the sheet there. And if you have anything you want us to try to get to for the downfall, we will, you know, consider suggestions. So, Quinn, this one I'm picking this week to start it off. Okay. Go ahead. It's something that was very good for a long time. And I'm sure a lot of our fans that like the WF. Yeah, WF. <laughs> that's what we do. Here. That's what we call it. Yeah. Uh, would really like this. And it is Saturday night's main event. Yeah, it was this show that was on, and it used to be good, and then it wasn't. It was good for a long time, actually, yeah. you know, a couple of years. I guess a little history on, on Saturday Night's Men event and why it was good, what made it so good. So can you tell me why it's called SNME? Saturday um, Night's Main Event. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So Saturday Night's Main Event, folks, started right after WrestleMania, uh, which was March 31st, 85. First one aired in May of 85. Obviously, it had been in the works, and it was actually Dick Ebersol of NBC. Yeah, the uh, general manager manager of NBC for a while, whatever that, that they call works. him, a president, <laughs> yeah. CEO, whatever he was, CFO, CFO. And remember when Vince and Dick Ebersol sat at the table at the end of Vince's 30 for 30? That was funny. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> There's a lot of pictures of them wearing sneakers also with suits. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what that relationship is. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very intriguing relationship, but it started in, in 85 and Dick Ebersol and McMahon co-produced this and it was good because it brought wrestling back to network television for the first time in 30 years since the yeah. days of of course gorgeous george it also eventually brought us the xfl but that's another story altogether yeah that relationship wasn't yeah. always good yeah where's my football where's my smash mouth wide open football i don't know saturday night's main event took the time slot every few months of a show that you might have heard of called Saturday Night Live. You ever what, hear of that, Quinn? What's that? Well, by 85, it wasn't very good. Yeah. Now, isn't that the, the like, Elaine works there season? <laughs> like, isn't that like that? Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah, yeah, Brad Hall, you know. Yeah, it's, like, really weird. I'm willing to go to the prom looking like this if, if you're willing to go with me. Hey, hey, hey. No. That sounds so weird because that slump is the only time I think the show is in danger of getting canceled because, like, at that point, it was, like, this has been on for like eight years, so it's yep. like, yeah, it's eight, eight seasons. That seems like enough. Who, who would ever think that nowadays? <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's put on WF in its place. <laughs> and that's what they did. So yeah. every now and then when SNL had an off week, WF would come on. Yeah. Now, it wasn't live the way that Saturday Night Live was. It was usually taped in the early days, only a day or two or a week before. They really liked to act like it was live, though. They Even did. though they never said it. I, they never I always said got it was the live. impression like you're supposed to believe that this is like there's people in an arena at 1130 at night fighting. I could believe it. And they're underpants. And they're underpants. Yeah. So Saturday Night's main event was unique amongst the programming that WWF had at the time for several reasons. A, as we mentioned, it was on network television, which was a big deal. Two, it was very different than the syndicated shows and the USA Network cable shows like Primetime and All-American that were going on. Because on those shows, as you well know, Quinn and you fans... You didn't get to see a lot of stars all the time. Well, you get to see exactly what we're seeing on 82 right now. A bunch of jobbers lose matches to people who matter. And mainly upper mid-carters, and occasionally you'll get a glimpse of someone really big deal, Sometimes like Hogan. Hogan talking. 
that, right. You never really saw him wrestle. No, no. So what this was, it was a free chance for people to see the likes of Hulk Hogan wrestle someone with a name. Right. You know, like, honestly, you would have matches that were pretty big matches on paper. So, I, if I recall, there was never really jobber matches on Saturday Night's Main Event in its entire history. Mm-mm. Never, right? Has that ever occurred? Jobber, jobber? No. I mean, you have some lower mid-carters. But... Like, Frankie Lane never made it on there. <laughs> I don't think Frankie Lane did. But, you know, Jerry Valiant was on the first one. The yeah. worst of the Valiant. Worse than Johnny B. Right now in the ring, looking confident and well-dressed as ever, the big city slicker gentleman, Jerry Valiant. Nevertheless, you'd see Hogan every single episode during that run. Right, just like WrestleMania and the pay-per-views. Right. I mean, they, they were all headlined by Hulk Hogan, obviously. Yeah, and he was their biggest attraction uh, when it started in 85. And one of the things that was so cool about it is it helped Vince McMahon, I think, and from what I've heard and what I've read, develop his TV style. And Ebersol really helped him with that. Well, when- thank God, because <laughs> before that, we were, you know, smoky bars. Smoky bars, yeah, yeah, and all that. But I thank God that happened. Thank God Ebersol to- taught him about lighting. Because seriously, yes. Like now, to be fair, the lighting has been progressively getting better as soon as Vince took over. That's I will, true. I will admit that much. The presentation was upgrading, but they were still behind the eight ball in a lot of ways with their oh, presentation. Yeah. Now, that's also because they didn't really have the budget. I'm assuming NBC kind of threw them a couple bucks oh, yeah, to, to make this l- look okay, like <laughs> well, acceptable for... Uh, the National Broadcast Corporation or whatever they are. I would think so, Quinn. I don't think Ebersol wants to put something on the on the network that looks like shit. Not right. back then, anyway. You know, well, he definitely doesn't want anything that looks like championship wrestling. I don't there. blame him. So that's one of the things that it helped do. But obviously, the biggest thing it probably did is it gave casual fans, people that were used to saying up to eleven thirty to one at night every single Saturday, it gave those people an opportunity to flip on four. Maybe they didn't know that SNL was off, and they see Hulk Hogan flip on four with NBC four. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just saying because people, some people listening might not know. It might yeah, be four. seven or NBC something. Is, yeah, let us know what your NBC is. Yeah, honestly, four around here. It was four around here. And it, give them the chance to see the wrestling. And the way they did it was cool. And especially once they got into a groove around 86, 87, 88. Yeah, I think it's signature thing to me is that like that music, that interview thing that plays before it starts. It's like, I'm going to kill you, Harley Race. And, yep. and it's like, I'm the king. And it would like interview everyone. It's like that like intense like. Yes. I am Jake the Snake Roberts, and this is my friend Damien, my wild whip friend, if you will, ever so cold. In like 90 seconds, right from the get-go, they established who every character was, and a lot of those promos, from what I understand, were actually written by NBC, not by WWF people. Because they're not really meant to, like, they're not, they're really, not wrestling promos. Yeah, they're like, I'm Harley Race. I'm the king of wrestling. and I'm the million dollar man. Remember yeah, that one? Yeah, I'm Jimmy Hart, and this is my Hart Foundation. Yep. <laughs> yeah, baby. I'm Bobby Heenan, and I'm the smartest manager. Blah, right, blah, blah. Yeah. Hercules is going to beat Hulk Hogan. Right. Remember that match? Yeah, like, yeah no, but, but that's, that's how thing. all of them were. That's how all of them were. Hello, America. This is Coco Beware, and this is my friend, <laughs> Quickie Beware. And it introduced people that might not otherwise go out of their way to watch wrestling. Right. They introduced them very briefly to these characters. And they did the SNL style format where they put all the good shit in the beginning of the show. Is that really an SNL thing? Yeah, well, that's an SNL thing. Maybe that's thing. just my opinion because SNL sometimes has the best skits, like the garbage time. That's but, known as the death slot there. Yeah. The last 10 minutes, oof. Yeah, it, no, but those are where the most creative skits are. Yeah, because no one cares as <laughs> yeah, much. There's a lot more leeway. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, I think the peak of this whole thing actually was the spinoff of Saturday Night's Main Event, 
which was f- the Friday night primetime special, which we've talked about yes, a lot. The the main event. The main event. Thirty three million people no, tuning in. No Saturday night. There. No Saturday night. Just it's Friday. Like Friday night. or something. Yeah, yeah. Like eight or nine p.m. Did they ever do a main event not on Friday, like on Wednesday I don't or something? Know. That's like, a good question. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I don't know because they did a couple of them. They did, yeah, they did four of them or five. Oh, I think we reviewed every single one of them now, that one season. First things first. I just want to ask this. Do you count main event as like part of Saturday night? Because I do. In I my do. Brain. WWE like, does. It's, it, it's it's related. Yeah, it's the same thing. Just yep. it's a special Friday edition where they yep. can't say Saturday night. <laughs> right. Like it's the same show. It's the same show. It's yeah. a half hour shorter. Same music. All that. Yeah. So anyway, after 1988, it was still relatively good. But when you hit that fall season of 88, is where the quality starts to dip. Making Mitch beat thus far out of the Super Ninjas. Anything but Super thus far. And then through 89, it's not as exciting it anymore. It feels like basically they like they peaked, right? Yep. They had the greatest television audience in the history of the universe. Yeah, I don't sure. know, the Pope couldn't attract that much on TV or something. Don't or tell I'm Dave con- Meltzer that. I'm conflating things, probably. Actually, now I'm back in Japan, Ricky Dozen, you know, yeah. and all that El Santo. Yeah. But my point is, is that like basically they got the largest television audience. What do you do after that? You go, you downfall, you fall down, you fall down. Now, and do you think that was related to like now Hulk was like being phased out, sort of? Yeah, I think Savage kept it respectable for them throughout '88, but Hogan was back on the shit by the fall, right? And then really, when it really started to go downhill, and now here comes the downfall, folks. 1990 is when this show started yeah, to get stupid. It's like just Warrior, and it's Warrior. I feel like there's a lot of Dino Bravo on that show. Oh, at, there is. After a certain point, there's also. Haku. Yeah, there's things like that. It's just Terry Von Eric. It's basically like it. To me, it's the first like kinks in the armor i guess you'd say like yeah. the first like showing that like this roster is changing yes you know what i mean absolutely and so much so that by 1991 they only ran one episode in april of 1991 yes that 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 has that pretty decent like million dollar man versus bret hart match on it yes it does that, i always remember that that's very for good some reason the wrestling quality was good on that one yeah but the writing was kind of on the wall for saturday night's main event yeah until randomly Seemingly out of nowhere, in January of 1992, Fox picked it up. So, this is the early days of Fox still, right? The first, like, five or so years of its existence. Do you think that, like, they were just looking for a quick, like, well, this was successful for NBC, we're a fledgling network, let's get that, because it has a little bit of name value? First of all, great use of the word fledgling. Second of all, I agree with you. Yes, I think that's exactly what it was, and I'm sure Vince wanted to keep his name out there on network TV. Yeah, no shit. So they aired one in February of 92. It was good. It was the one where it was Hogan and uh, Piper versus Flair and Sid. Yes. Yeah. No, Hogan and Sid. Excuse- right. Hogan and Hogan Sid and were Sid. That, that And they break up. Versus that's like, Flair and Undertaker. Right. And that's where Brutus Beefcake is a little lady. Yeah, he's very lady-like. <laughs> what a piece of shit that show is. <laughs> it's not good. And then even worse is the one that we reviewed. So, the yeah. last one. So the last Jan- one, right? Uh, November of 92. I feel like WWE tries to embellish how good it was all the time because oh, Shawn Michaels wins his first belt. Yay! I'm good of a match. And it's like... Who cares? Like, it was going to happen anyway. You know what I mean? Yes. Basically, like, what happened there would have just happened on Superstars. Yeah, it could have. That's that's my feeling about that. And Bret Hart fought uh, Papa Shango. Remember that? And it wasn't very good either. What a piece of shit. That show? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I didn't like about the Fox one. See, this is part of the downfall in my mind. Uh, You know, perspective. What what is it? The logo or something? Yeah, the music. It's not good. I, I, I knew that you would have a problem with that. Now, I wonder if those had been NBC owned. 
No, it they, couldn't have because they used the logo now. Well, the song, first of all, was Obsession. Initially, and then, until 88. And then, and then it was like this WWE the happy the one. other song. I yeah. love that one. Yeah, because we know they own it because they actually like they still use it. it. They so, dub it over Obsession on the older ones. Which actually, what's weird is it fits like perfectly. Yeah. Quinn, I want to ask you here. Do you think that by 9091, do you, do you think the biggest reason that maybe it wasn't as appealing was because wrestling was just losing its relevance in I pop culture? I think that's actually like 100% goes into the downfall of Saturday Night's Main Event. Saturday Night's Main Event only works if WWE is, like, in the golden period. Like 85 it, to 90, When right? people give a shit, and there's, like, you know, celebrities on it and stuff. So like, it's a... Yeah, right. It's, like, really all people care about. So it's a consequence of the fact that WWF st- stock or star was falling anyway in the public size that Saturday Night's Main Event became less relevant, not... The other way around. Think of Saturday Night's main event like this. Yeah. Do you remember when in the mid nineties that the this is gonna sound really stupid, but That's okay, Quinn. But do you remember when the Power Rangers were very popular? Yeah, about ninety four ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. Do you remember when they decided one time to put the Power Rangers on in prime time because it was so popular? Yes. I do. It's a super night of superheroes on Fox. Starting with America's number one super warriors, the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Let's go! That is, like, to me, the same exact reason why WWF was, like, on, like, wow. uh, in, in, like, a good time slot. It's the same thing. It's a fad. People are like, this is the greatest thing ever, right? Let's put it, We it should be on, like, when everyone can see it. Yeah. And the network is capitalizing because advertisers want to be involved, of too. Of course, like, right, yeah. Usually... Miller Light, Bud Light, yeah. Mountain Dew. Yeah, the Silver Bullet was a, a huge, yeah, you know, a lot uh, of beer. They were always on the uh, Saturday Night's Main Event yep. like things. Mountain Dew Slam of the Week. Yeah. Remember that was Sean Mooney? Mountain Dew presents the Slam of the Night. That's just the thing. It was just wrestling was in like a fad phase. It where was. It was like it was popular with everyone. Yes, and that's absolutely. why I equate it with the Power Rangers thing. Power Rangers fair. was super popular, and I remember this. They put it on at like 8 o'clock one time, right? One time. Yeah. It was like, I don't know, like the Green Ranger finale or something. Of the five-parter? Or I maybe so. it was like when the White Ranger debuted. It, it was no, one of the, it, it, it was, was the White when, Ranger. It was, no, no, it wasn't no? that. It was when the New Zords debuted. Oh, the New Zords. Remember when the set, it's the, the, the second season premiere. Like, that's yes, what it was. correct. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point though, Quinn, because you know what happened between 1993 and 1995? Eventually, those kids that liked it grew up. And if they're right. not drawing in tons of new kids... Mm-hmm. The audience ages out of it. And WWF, you got to remember, 85 to 90 for it to have a really good run. That's a long time. It's five years. I mean, that's not just one a one-off episode <laughs> right. like the Power Rangers that yeah. we just talked about. They had at least four to six a year. Yeah, which means they were drawing more than just kids. It was adults, too. Oh, absolutely. It, it was a bunch of people that cared what was going on in the World Wrestling Federation. Now, you know what's interesting here to, to, to wrap it up on the downfall part? You mentioned how it would make a, make a lot of sense for it to be on network television when it's really popular. I can't believe it took them all the way until 2006 to try it again. Yeah, so... I don't know why I that is. Again, I think the reason it failed is because it what they picked the wrong time. Like, in 06? I don't know why they didn't, like, in 1998, approach them and be like, hey, you want to be on... Right! Do this again? Like, because, like, wouldn't that make a hundred times more sense? Now, maybe... The networks said no, but can you imagine them turning down that kind of money? Well, the other thing you have to remember is that 
the reason one reason I think the networks probably didn't want to do Saturday Night's Main Event again, at least NBC, mm-hmm. is because if you recall, UPN made it there first as far as the broadcast networks and getting the WWF. With SmackDown April of ninety nine, they got the premiere. Yeah, Maybe they the felt pilot. there was no point to do that, if, especially if UPN, a, a rival broadcast network, was going to be getting huh. a, a weekly show. Like, who gives a shit about Saturday Night's Main Event then? That's a good point. Or do you think the WWF was just flying so high that they didn't even need to bother to go on network 1130 oh, slot? they would have taken it you if they so? could. It, I think yeah. it was just the networks just were like, well, SmackDown exists and that's on a broadcast yeah. network, so what the fuck else can yeah, we do? True. Like we, Like, if you're NBC, we can't offer them a weekly show because they're probably going to demand like weekly Saturday Night's Main Event at the, older, right. at the height of their power. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Fair. Now, what are your uh, recollections of the reboot in like 06, 07? It sucks! Okay, I remember being like super excited for it when I was coming up because I was like, oh, is it going to be like old school? Right. And like, okay, so it starts up, right? And they do bring back the yes. like, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be re- cool. I was like, this is going to be really good. I'm Vince McMahon, chairman of WWE, and this is my son, Shane. Who cares? Yep. And then it starts and like, there's just like a 20 minute promo and I'm just like, this is fucking raw. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, I really remember that happening. And I think like Vince is like, came out to like celebrate that like Saturday Night's main event was back or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just, it was just raw on Saturday. It was, <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was, you're yeah. right. Yeah. They did several of them. They didn't have a catchy, nice theme the way the old ones were. It was some yeah. like too loud, hard, <laughs> you know, like the, ah, They had the Saturday night font, but the main event font was different. It really pissed me off. I, yeah, I don't know what was going on with that. Just keep the logo the same. That's Maybe, all people wanted. Okay, if you know, so the, if you know the WWE, <laughs> yeah, they somehow didn't own the rights to that to the, to main event. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they always they were so haphazard huh? in the eighties with yes, like they were. copywriting stuff. They would just not do it. Like they were like, oh, we don't feel like going to the patent office or something like that. <laughs> Like, I don't get what the hell their problem was. Like, how are they so sloppy with superstars of wrestling that they, like, they didn't even own that? <laughs> I, I think the guy owned it before they did. Right, but I'm saying, like, yeah. why before you start the show <laughs> that you figure that out? Like, nowadays, somebody would have went and figured that out That's beforehand, true. and they would have even changed the name before they <laughs> even got there, you know? Yeah. So, I guess the legacy of Saturday Night's main event is this. The first one was 1985. The last one aired in 2008 in August. Uh, it had several good years. I enjoy looking back and watching some of those from like 86, 87, 88. Yeah. They're really fun. Now that now that it's downfalled at this yeah, point, it I think we should, we should always ask this question at the end of the segment. It's a new tradition. Okay. Should they bring it back? No, they don't need to. No? Not I don't even think if it they was a network to. thing? Um, like uh, quarterly or something. I don't think they need to uh, on the network. Yeah, like a spe- a network special yeah, because that that's a that is a thing. A network special is what they call it now. Actually, what do they find? What do they do to make it stand out from every other freaking thing they do? Then, yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. The problem Back then it stood that out on like SmackDown or Raw. You have the same main event. That's the problem. Like, there's no point. There was a real need for it back then in the days where there was only one, two, three pay per views a year and all the syndicated dumpy programming the only other thing i can think of that they could do mm-hmm. is like 
if they remove a pay-per-view for the month that's yeah, our sure. main event. Yeah, I know, but they won't. No, but do they do they really need to anymore? Because like if it's gonna just take the place of but then know. it doesn't how do you even distinguish it? if it's all on the network, it all looks the same. It all, <laughs> it would have to be presented differently. And that was one of the cool things about Saturday night's main event before its downfall is it actually felt different every single time. Yeah, and I think that's just a result of the times that there just wasn't that level of presentation didn't exist yet, but now that it's in, it's they, just they, how they are a, now. They've hit a point where they they make enough money. They don't. They don't need they, this that anymore. That isn't a special thing anymore. Yep. Yeah. So there's a downfall of starting this main event. And as we mentioned, folks, if you want to give us suggestions for things to talk about uh, that were good and then weren't, let us know. You can do that by going to ovppodcast.com and going to the suggestions tab. And uh, Quinn, when we come back. Royal Rankings is still here. It's back, baby. But we will be royally ranking something different this time around. And that'll be coming up right after this. wrestling fans howdy doody we're here to tell you about our patreon yes we do have one it's at patreon.com slash ovp podcast and quinn how many tiers do we have three delicious tiers we have three delicious tiers we're going to tell you about them real quick here for one dollar you get to watch the raw video of quinn and i making every single monday show that means quinn that they get to see what shirts we're wearing the shirts the most important part of the one dollar tier now for two dollars not only do you get the shirts but every other friday it's mount rushmore and death valley extra where quinn and i put the four best of something and for worst of something onto Mount Rushmore and Death Valley and Quinn it could be hats yeah it could be about doink and then for three dollars in between on the alternating Fridays we explore 1982 WWF Quinn it's got Jimmy Snuka it's got Bob Orton it's got Chief J Strongbow and that's about it and that is about it so that is on the three dollar tier that's right go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast but Quinn I don't think they will shed any tears over our prices My name is Cindy Lauper, and your name is going to be Mud if you miss Saturday night's main event. Because if you don't wrestle, you don't rock. In the heat of a 20-man battle royal, there are no loyalties. And the action continues until one man is left to claim victory. Who will survive Saturday night's main event this week? And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And Happy New Year's Eve to you here on Monday, December 31st. 2018. Quinn, we're about to kick off a new year, but we're also about to kick off a new edition of Royal Rankings. Wow, a new season, a new possibilities. Yes. What do we got in the uh, the bucket there, Joseph, this season? Well, this time around, we polled the fans. We took a survey. A survey? Yeah, we took a survey. It's, it's only, just a survey. It's only a survey, <laughs> just right? Just a survey. And I wanted to get some feedback on announcers that people really oh, like. Oh, announcers. We know about a thing or two about them. We do. So if you're newer to the show, what the Royal Rankings is, we started the last season. It is where we poll you, the fans, on our Facebook group. And we get a list, a huge list of all your favorites of something. And last season, it was top WWF champions. And you yeah. can go back if you haven't listened. You can check out who wound up being in the top 10. And we basically have a pool, or as JR would say, a pool. Yes, a pool. <laughs> in skew. In skew. Of 20 that made the cut, meaning the amount of votes, and then below 20, you didn't make the cut. Now, out of those 20, each and every week, Quinn and I draw two random entrants, and you can see the drawing as we do it on the Raw video. Yeah, it's kind of like the Royal Rumble. It's, you ever hear that? Yeah, you ever hear that? Yes. And this time around, it's announcers. Now, Quinn, you know, and some fans out there might know that 
the announcing of a wrestling match, the play-by-play of the color man, that is something that is very near and dear to my heart. It might be Joe's favorite thing. It's one of my favorite things. It really is. And there are a lot of different announcers that I like for various reasons. But the main reason that I have such an affinity and perhaps such an interest in announcing is because really, these guys are your narrators. Any good documentary needs a narrator. That's true. Any good news article, you know, news thing needs someone telling you what's going on. That's very true as well. Most television shows that are nonfiction use some type of narration. They do. And these guys are there to carry you through. Not only do they call the moves, but they provide exposition, emotion, reaction. They guide you. They weave you in and out of the story if they're doing their jobs right. And overall, they make the show not boring. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about if you didn't have announcers, right? You'd literally be watching men in their underpants grapple each other with no for context, hours, for hours with no context. Yep. Maybe some people yelling, "You stink!" Yeah, you can like audibly hear or something. Come on, like, you bum! Yeah, exactly. Stuff like, like that. That's all that the show would be. You know what they also provide? They provide like an environment in my eyes, like something like, "Hey, there's this active breathing like federation of wrestlers wrestling, and there's goings ons and yes. happenings, and they're right. talking about them." Absolutely, Quinn. I couldn't say it better myself. Now, a good announcer, you might not even notice half the time, which is good. A great announcer will stick in your mind, and a bad announcer will too, but for the wrong reasons. Right. Now, with this list that we're going to do here, before we start the segment, now formally, there's going to be twenty. Now, obviously, when you're ranking 20 and we narrow it down to the top 10 and bottom 10, some people are going to stand above the pack and some are going to, you know, just be down there. And it's going to be our job, Quinn, because this is very scientific. Yeah. We're It's the most scientific ranking in all of wrestling ranking. Absolutely. And we're doing our very best to take out personal bias from this. Right. Correct? That's our that's we, our aim. At least we do our best. So, Quinn, without further ado, let's go to the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now. Sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Roads touch Sherry first. Name's Fred Katal. Silly name for a Japanese wrestler, Fred. So we've got a great matchup here. His eyes are closed. He can't open them. It's the Royal Rankings of Announcers, week number one. Quinn, we have a... (laughs) That's quite a video That is quite quite an intro package there. Audio, whatever this is. It's an audio podcast. Uh, Quinn, we have explained our reasoning behind the choice of announcers here. We figured we would mix it up a bit after doing something as epic and grand as champions. Now we just take it down a notch and we'll talk about something a little more folksy, a little more... (laughs) Folksy, yeah. yeah, Folksy. Notchy. Less uh, (laughs) notchy, at least. And in my mind, Quinn, with announcing, a lot more open-ended and a a lot less predictable, I think, than the WWF champions were. Oh, yeah. There isn't. He is historically this. Right. So he is this. Like, I'm, I'm enough of that. Like, <laughs> this is this is completely like just compare them and yep. we'll see who wins kind of thing. We will see who wins. So, Quinn, I think without any more preamble, let's find out who the historic 
first entrant is, and remember, this is random drawing. You can watch it on the raw video on Patreon, like we mentioned in the bumper there. Wheel them down the aisle, the first guy. And they're announcers. They never don't sit. So. so let's find out who drew number one. Hi, wrestling fans. Welcome to Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And have we got an exciting hour in store for you this week. Well, Quinn, speaking of folksy, it's Bob Cottle. Yeah, Bobby Cottle. He made it. What, a, what a first entry, huh? Yeah, uh, not exactly the most overwhelming uh, presence or voice <laughs> in any what a, context. What a weird guy to kick it off. Very non or indescript, as you would yeah, say. Very indescript. But Bob Cottle made it. He's obviously a favorite of many. He was mainly associated with NWA. Um, most prominently, you know, to the casual NWA fan on some of the Starcades. Yeah, I think that's what I know him on. And then wasn't he on like sometimes on the Saturday show occasionally? Yeah, he was on. Well, I don't know about the Saturday show, but he was on a lot of their programming. Yeah, you would see him even, I think, in the later 80s into the early 90s. He was on maybe some of the Clash of Champions. Yeah, I some as- of the pay-per-views. I associate him more with pay-per-view NWA he was- instead of the TV shows. I just want to say he was on some of them. He might have been. It was mainly Shivani and Crockett and then right. JR and Shivani. Yeah. But yes, Bob Caudle, he had a cool style, in my opinion, because he was very unegotistical. He yeah. didn't make it about him. He didn't try to put himself over. Boy, from high on the ropes with all of that weight, that Texas compactor will put him out every time. And Black Bart just did it on Ron Rossi. I would say he came very much in the vein of like the this guy works for the television station kind of person. Like he, he was in that vein. In fact, he was also a former weatherman, or maybe even was that, a weatherman that while makes he was doing this. hundred percent sense. Channel Five presents as the weather turns. Our story opens with Bob Cuddle's promotion. And apparently, Quinn, from what I understand here, he actually started working for Jim Crockett Promotions for Jim Crockett Senior. Yeah, I can see that because, in the old days. So here's the thing: if you look up. Bob Cottle on the internet, right? Um, just in the image section, a lot of these oh, images look images. like they're from like the sixties. Yeah, he was like, around it a long time. Look like him. He looks like somebody's like dad in the sixties. That's one of the things that I like about Bob Cottle in general, though, like, especially his eighties stuff. Mm-hmm. He has this kindly, like grandfatherly style to him, like a gentle style that I actually really appreciate because for the NWA and its Southern wrestling, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. He had a good voice for it. He wasn't their A announcer. No, I, he has a vibe of very much like, come all sit, yes. sit in front of your set and like, yes, like right, you know right. what I mean? Like watch this wrestling. But, and don't you think in its context, that's a really nice thing to have as an announcer? Yeah, I mean, he's very like, that is Southern charm, you know. Yep, Southern gentleman. Team. Southern gentleman. Um, you know, he doesn't really have an accent necessarily, though. No, because he has that TV dialect or that right. TV diction. You know, that, that, it's not like put on that TV dialect that like that is not usually exactly how um, they speak. That's like something learned so that you I was going to say learned. Yeah, if not put on, at least learned. Yeah. And Bob Cottle also, Quinn, and one of the things uh, I also enjoy him in, and Mike Mills would appreciate this. He was also the first voice of Smoky Mountain. All right, fans, and with us right now here is the Dirty White Boy and his manager, of course, the legendary Ron Wright. Yes, yes, he was. You know, I tend to forget that, but, yep. um, you know, he was part of Smoky Mountain for a time. Yep. Um, and I, I really enjoy him there. I mean, he kind of serves the same kind of role that Gordon served over in Continental, this, like, quiet announcer thrust into this chaos. And then, so, yeah, the voice of reason. Yeah. And it's one of the things I like about him. He could do play-by-play or color. I would say he's, in my opinion, like, maybe because I just always like this fish-out-of-water thing, but I really like him in Smoky Mountain. He's like, great. a lot. Well, the best thing about Smoky Mountain and why he was such a good fit 
Smoky Mountain in itself was a fish out of water. Right. And then you add another layer to that. You take this old tiny guy, really, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and drop him into the 90s in a promotion. There's like layers, you know what so, I'm saying? Smoky Mountain's so weird with that, though, right? And Bob, this goes back to Bob Cottle. They, I think they started out thinking, like, we're going to bring this old school rock and roll express and all this bullshit, right? And the, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it kind of slowly meandered into, like, another continental in, in a, a weird sense, way. Like, no, it's not, not, and I'm not shit. saying it's as good, it's but, not. It, but it it slowly meandered into that. And like, I always find the segments where Bob Cottle and uh, Tammy are like interacting and yes. he, he like can't stand her. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. We put together a video. It's not Cindy Crawford. It's not Jane Bond. It's me, me, me. Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. Tammy, Tammy. I want to see that. Let's watch Tell it. Man. Let's watch it. They're yeah. really funny. He play, he like you mentioned earlier, he was very much in the vein of a Gordon Soley. Yeah. Not as well remembered, I would say. I mean no. But he also worked in smaller things. He was more on the side if he was involved in a bigger thing. Yep. Again, his most prominent appearances, folks, maybe if you're not familiar with Bob Cottle, some people might not be being WWF fans or otherwise, would be at some of the early Starcades and some right. of the WCW NWA pay-per-views in the eighties. It was interesting that they picked Bob Cottle to be like involved in those at the time. True pro, I think, is why, you know? Now, that, that, that had that was Gordon Suplay and, uh, <laughs> and Bob Cottle, right, if yes, I recall? Yes, Gordon Suplay and Bob Cottle. Uh, I should also mention, folks, I forgot to mention this at the top of the segment, we have combined the aspects of play-by-play and color. Both are eligible into right. this. So a color commentator, as an announcer, can outrank you know, theoretically, a, a straight yeah. play-by-play guy, just for the record. Yeah, this is all, like, announcers. Just announcers, um... But commentary announcers, not backstage announcers. Right. And for the record, Bob Cottle did do both. He was a play-by-play guy and would step aside if Gordon was there, obviously. Yeah, I, I, that, to me, is also another factor of Cottle's career, other than Smoky Mountain, is, like, Gordon always, like, one-upped him. Well, was, Gordon was, was Gordon solely. I know, but, you know, Bob Cottle was a bit younger, so I always thought it was weird that, like, he never kind of got his time to, to be, be the, the A announcer? Right, yeah. Like never was. Soli just never fucking left. By the time It is Gordon Soli. By the time though. he retired, like Coddle was like getting near the end too. He was done with Smoky Mountain by yeah. then when Soli retired, yeah. Yeah, it's kinda like um, you know, if there's a king, right? And he's got <laughs> there's a prince. Yeah. But the they're like the king lives a really long time and the prince is like fucking 80 years old by the time he gets to be the king talking about prince charles because like the queen is that, really that's old like a, that's yeah. like a i guess a, a, a nowadays but i mean okay. with any royalty yeah but we're talking about announcer royalty here yeah. like in we this are. case like gordon Soley was you know he just stuck around so damn long that yeah. coddle never really got the chance to be that's you know that's fair quinn yeah uh, i don't know if you all know who this is but some people might there was an announcer for the yankees in the mid up until the mid 80s 70s to the mid 80s named frank messer Stretched by Torres, the set, the kick, and the pitch. Hit deep to left field. This one may be off the wall, maybe in the screen. Home run! Home run for Bucky Dent! And he commentated along with Phil Rizzuto and Bill White, who were a big team. Hey, that's Omar Marino in center field. That's right. Somebody's got to play out there. <laughs> Alan Where's Winfield? DHing. I should have checked this lineup. Yeah, you know, there's so, no, but there were so many distractions. <laughs> Jimmy Hunter, nine guys had me cornered. There are nine guys out on the field. <laughs> 
in a lot of ways, Bob Caudle reminds me of him. A solid, true pro, folksy, uh, not an egomaniac, but never remembered as one of the all-time guys. Yeah, and probably, again, because he just never got his time, I'm assuming, is what you're saying. Because the company that he worked with was just that notch above a little bit. You know what I'm saying? At least in the perception. So that's it on Bob Caudle. We will see now who drew number two. Well, speaking of royalty, yeah, Quinn. the royalty himself, uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Remember King? Yeah, remember King? <laughs> we always say that. Yeah, we always say King. Now, King, all right. This is a name that we might be able to sink our teeth into a little bit I here. love King, and I don't care what anybody says. There is so much bullshit about <laughs> King, and we need to right those wrongs today. Well, we're going to do it objectively, though, Michael. Of course. We will do it objectively. I think if you look objectively, you'll see some good things about King. I think so. Now, I know the King had done commentary in his Memphis and, and Continental down there, his, the Memphis Continental, CWA. But mainly, he's remembered coming into the WWF in late 92, early 93, as the heel announcer on Superstars with Vince. Take my picture! Take your picture! You don't want to waste film on Adam Bomb! And mm-hmm. he was in the vein, and he was also on the primetime roundtable briefly, yeah. until that shit went away. Uh, and he was in the vein of a Bobby Heenan heel. I feel like he was basically like put there initially just to be Bobby. The like other when, Bobby, right? Bobby left. Like, yeah. cause, cause it was, but he came in about the time where I, I'm guessing Bob, they knew Bobby was on his way out at but, that point. Well, and Bobby was doing raw and challenge. Yeah. So you can't have him on now, every freaking show. If I recall though, King awkwardly came in a little before he was announcer. And there was like, a situation where people were pooping in his hat well, and stuff. Okay, and, okay. and like, ah, there, there was all this, all right. like, the locker room didn't like him. King came in in December of 92. Right. As an announcer on Superstars. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he, basically what happened, I'll give you the, the, the freaking rundown here because it's fun, right? And you know, I love this stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. Kurt Hennig had been Vince's announced partner on Superstars from late 91 until the end of 92. I never liked that combination. I didn't either. Perfect turned face and then left Superstars. Mm-hmm. Because he started wrestling mm-hmm. again. Stop saying that! Bobby replaced Perfect for a few episodes. Right. And then Bobby... And Bobby was never on Superstars, really. He right. was never a Superstars announcer. No, he was on Challenge. Right. And then Bobby introduced the world to Jerry the King Lawler as his replacement on Superstars. Gotcha. Okay? So King did that. He was in the Rumble 93, did Superstars. And then, yes, uh, when he was a wrestler throughout mid-93, they pooped in his crown or something. And <laughs> he stiffed Bret Hart really bad with the crutches... So- at what, SummerSlam. Since we're getting into the minutia of King, yeah, when, we when, when will we ever be able to talk about this? So, why did he leave Memphis, or not really leave Memphis, but like, what was he doing there? Like, well, I, he I, was I, always with Memphis until Right. Forever. I just mean, like, I never understood what the, what brought King to the World Wrestling Federation. If I had to guess, I don't know the answer. If I had to guess, Vince offered him a job, or Lawler asked if there was anything he could do. And Vince figured, hell, I'll make him a you know an announcer and a part time wrestler. He was he didn't wrestle all the time, but in the, in the early nineties he did. King a unique case amongst announcers in general is that he simultaneously for a very long time had a a, a, a promotion basically right. a centered around him. He did. Local, like so, I just always thought he was unique and to the point where like other wrestlers would head down to Memphis to fight him. Promotion, and, yeah, yeah. Like I, sure. he stands out to me as somebody that's more unique than some of the rest of the people we're talking about here. Well, that's true. I'll give you that. And and, and he wrestled a lot during his early days of commentary. Yep, and he was able to because 
you know, you figure the commentary for superstars. I think they did it in Stanford once a month for all four shows. Yeah. So you just go there once a month, do that, and then the other times is in Memphis, and then he does a, a round of TV or two now, wrestling. Now, in relation to King's announcing and wrestling yeah. at the same time, yep. Did you always feel that King being an announcer made him seem like a really like? weak wrestler to the WWF yes, fans. Absolutely. Like which never made sense to me because he was supposed to be like this like best of all time guy. Yeah, but not in WWF. Yeah. So like I always thought that was weird how he was portrayed in the wrestling ring. Yeah, as, that's true. Like they, they me, lowered they, his value. They, well I think they purposefully did it too. Yeah. Like they always made him look like an idiot like he was Bobby or something. Right. right? Like that he couldn't wrestle and like all this. And it's like that's weird because the king that's known to most people in the country is like the be- one of the best wrestlers. Yeah, right? yeah. he's like a Hulk Hogan type right. in, in, in his like area. Right. You know. So let's talk about King the announcer, Quinn. From ninety sure. from ninety three until about ninety seven, he was generally paired with Vince. Vince and King were the team I grew up with when I, when I started watching. They right. did all the pay per views. Same here. Sometimes Jr. would be there as a third man. Yeah, and when Jr. was there, it was kind of better. It was I, no, they were I, fun. I thought because anytime you can get a little less Vince guy, one, two, ah, yeah. oh, so close, like every time. Like, yeah, that's it, a good night when you don't have that as it, much. It is. And King's basic thing was to pick on the faces the same way Bobby had done and Jesse had done. But he did it. I think we mentioned this last week in our holiday review. Yeah, he was cornier than Bobby was. I would say he was cornier. Yeah. But he was more relentless in my eyes. He was more vicious, perhaps? Yeah, like, he was a little brutal. Like, Bobby, it was kind of like, sure, he was brutal, too, but, like, it's Bobby, so it's kind of like you don't take it seriously. Yeah, that's the whole thing. The thing is, maybe it it goes back to that King as a wrestler thing. It's like, you think, well, maybe King would go out and, like, hit them with a chair or something. Yeah, (laughs) right. It's possible. Because he's, like, an actual wrestler. He's in his wrestling trunks when he's he's commentating. No shirt. Yeah. (laughs) So Until later when he got the fancy shirts. Yeah, remember the fancy shirts? Yeah. And then in 1997, something happened, and it was called the Montreal Screwjob, and it coincided with Vince no longer being a commentator. Thank God. So now our three-man team is reduced to two and it's just jim ross and jerry lawler now this is the the golden era for king announcing i would say so as much as i do think he is a little underappreciated with vince as a team they yeah. are a good team they, they're okay yeah. they're okay they actually by 97 when all this went down they kind of had a good flow they did have a good yeah, flow. They, it took them like a year or two but i would say they were like in a position where they were kind of like a, a accepted team. I wouldn't say respected, but right. accepted. As Mid-tier, like, right? Yeah, they were okay. They were okay. But JR and King, they were so good as the voice of the Attitude Era. And, and personally, I don't like them as much when the Attitude Era is over. I agree with you because they, they don't seem like they're in their element anymore. They they fit the Attitude Era so perfectly. Yes. And I, I have my reasons because like one of them is, talking about King specifically, is that King was still like, he wasn't all the way like Uncle Jerry that's that's Jim Ross's friend. Right. Like, he was still kind of a dick. In 98, but it, yeah. But there was, like, a half respect at that yep, point. And, yep. like, it's, like, this perfect balance of, I like, it. it's not, like... King, I love you. Like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's more like, you're annoying, but I respect you. Like Gorilla and Bobby, almost. Right. Yeah, exactly. And what was cool about JR and King as a team, we'll focus on the King side of it, though, is that he would still be a heel, like you said. He would still be a dick. He supported McMahon throughout that whole arc, you know what right. I mean? I'm just gonna have to tell you the truth, JR. Let's face it. Howard Finkel is a big mark for Chris Jericho, and you're a big mark for Stone Cold Steve Austin. How can he be on SmackDown Thursday? What's he gonna do? But 
he would also help put everything over. And that's one thing about King that always gets overlooked. And maybe it's his own fault because of the puppies character and all the ah and yeah, all that so, from later. So let me say this about King in regards to putting the product over. Yep. Go ahead. Even the puppies thing, again, Ugh. this is all stuff that was going on there at that time. Like, even the puppies thing, that was something they were pushing. Yeah, was he like was just the, keeping up with it. Right. He was just, he changed his tact, right? He became, like, old dirty man, right? Like, yeah. dirty old man, Jerry Lawler. Basically. But, like, that was really, again, that was King being a, a company man again, right? We're doing, we're, you know, we're, they're flashing TNA, we're, boobs we're, yes, and stuff all the right. time. So, of course, you have to have Uncle Jerry there being acting like an idiot, yeah. right? But when the time called for it, though, he would still put over the serious things that needed to be. Yeah, I mean, famously, Mick Foley almost dying. Yeah. Like, falling well, through the cage. And he, yeah, and he and JR did some really good work on all those big pay-per-views. 98, not 99, not as much, but 2000, they're excellent in yeah. 2000. I would say, you know what, as bad as 99 is, I don't think King and JR are the bad parts. I think they're just, to me, it's like King and JR just witnessing this shit, like, and just, have, like, yeah. and just dealing with it. And they're, they're perfectly okay. Hey, yeah, like in my eyes, they're excellent in two thousand. Right, yeah, two thousand. They're really good. I would say one of my favorite um, announcing is at um, Royal Rumble two thousand because not only is it like there's some serious matches at that with Foley versus uh, Triple H, yep, but there's also the Royal Rumble is super fun and King is hilarious. He's really good in that. that. Yes. Like Rakishi's backside just wiped out. No pun intended. Test and Gangrel wiping Rakishi's backside. That's a horrible thought. That's a- Forget toilet paper, that thing, a queen-size bed sheet. And I think that it was good when King was replaced by Paul Heyman because it freshened up the announced team in 01. It up, though. You know what was funny about all that is I loved Paul a lot, but I was happy to see King come back when November. he did. November. I introduce you, Mr. Heyman, to your replacement. Come on down, Jerry the King. When he came back in 01 is actually really the end of me liking him and JR as a team because the, it's not even all their fault. They were getting older. They had done this Attitude Era thing for like almost four years. Right, and they'd done it well. Yeah, and they continue on. I mean, they were teamed up all the way until Cole got traded to Raw in 08. Yeah, so they were together for a long time. By that point, they were kind of like an old shoe that hurt your feet. <laughs> See, I, you know what I, I mean. Kind of dis- they were okay. I disagree, though. Because They're all right. This, this is the only reason is because I think they were still like they were like competent at that. Like, were, yeah, they the, were fine. Like, there was nothing like I. It wasn't like I'd go like, oh man, like we really need to switch this up. Right. When I took them away, and like it just kind of sucked because I I feel like that's the reason people got on Cole, the next guy, yeah. hurt so badly because they were just like because he wasn't Jr. They were just like. They weren't that bad. No, like, they weren't. They weren't. Like, so people were just annoyed because it was like, it's one thing to break them up when they suck, but they did. No, they didn't suck. Yeah. I think, though, that the biggest thing that, to, for, for me, that diminished my enjoyment of King as an announcer mm-hmm. as a whole, it's around 2000, he really became a face and then more and more and more until by like the mid 2000s, he was just a face. Right. And see, this is where I think King is misunderstood. Because Go ahead. I, I, again, here comes Quinn's grand defense of the King. I always defend him because because people don't seem to understand that like he did his job like how he was supposed to. They turn him face; he's overly face. That is what King does. I when know. he was heel, 
he was a big heel. I'll give you that. Like, I don't get, like, what people are getting mad at King for when I, he's, like, doing what he's supposed to be doing and doing it probably better than most of the people. Well, I don't know about that, but I don't think that people enjoyed his face character, yeah. which they don't have to. The only thing I will say against King is that um, near the end, the product was moving faster than he could move because he was older. Like, yeah. I, I could tell his mind couldn't keep up with right. it. Well, he was 65 and still doing pay-per-views, 66. Right, so it was like... It wasn't like it was King performing badly because he didn't care. It was King just... I think he didn't care either. He, 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 cared, he cared enough, I would no, say. I just always felt like it was just... Check. He was old. Like He, he was did, old, he, yeah. He, it wasn't like a... I, I was like mad at him well, kind of thing. Like, they're brutal during the we're having fun Maggle era. Him, yeah. Cole, and King are awful. Free, Freeport Municipal Stadium, Capital Wrestling Corporation to where we are today. And uh, eight years ago today, JBL was forced to retire. Yeah, good. Right. Yeah. They're awful. Yeah, I know. There's no I, defending, but that's not all King's fault. Right. JBL's a piece of shit on commentary right. during that era, too. And, like, actually, like, this is where I always make the point that King really isn't all that bad is that when you see him on a pre show, he's yeah. surprisingly, like, still competent. Well, he's showing up and he's doing his job yeah, like, well. It's I, fine. It, that's all I'm saying. That's all about it is. Yeah, I that, know. Yeah. It's that I just don't like people, like, piling on him because I think it, it, it gets a little ridiculous, like, after a point. That's fair, Quinn. And we're here not to pile on, but we're here to rank properly yeah and one last note on king and then it'll be ranking time is often overlooked is that brief stint that he had with mauro ranallo on smackdown oh yeah where he turned heel thought you're talking about his ears neville's the only guy that can see his ears without a mirror yes remember that yes it that was 16. really good it was, and it was only for like a couple months <laughs> and it was wasn't bad yes and it just proved again to me he that can do it, it. it like it just you have to give him something like, something a, like any he's like the miz in a, in a modern day comparison yeah if you give the miz shit right it's shit i if know you give the miz something great it's really great i understand like, if you shit in you get shit out you you know gold in you get gold out like that's what you get Thank you. <laughs> I, no, I know. There's one person that listens to us. I cannot remember the guy's name, but he's the guy that writes for The Torch or something like that, and he hates King as an announcer, and he's probably going to disagree with every point you made, but I would say this. I don't disagree with every point you made, and I think that King had periods of time of being a good announcer. He did. And he I, had a lot of them, too. And I think that it, it, one thing that's overlooked about him is you look at his 99 and the puppies, but yeah. he was more than that. But it, he doesn't have the level of um, maybe remembrance or respect that Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura do. And it's also but because, he's still okay. It's also because he was primarily color. Well, he was always color, yeah. But I'm, so just, Heenan I'm, and, I'm just saying. All right, Quinn, now it's ranking time. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Caudle, we start with him. Is he number one or number two? <laughs> well, my argument is that he's number two. And I'll tell you why. Go ahead. It's because the king is just like, this is really the only thing. Is he's just more prominent. And that's basically like, that's the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, okay. On the prominence level, let's yeah. just, let's, as we do this, in the first few weeks, we'll be establishing our criteria yeah. and seeing how we're doing this, right? right. King is definitely more prominent. Yeah. No question about it. I think King is a more uh, remembered announcer. I mean, more people will remember the King. Memorable factor, as we say. Bob Cottle, though, is a more. He's a more <laughs> sports. Let me. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think of a good way to word this. He's a more sports like announcer. He's serious. Again, though, he's good at what he does, and he's a serious announcer. But Solid the problem pro. is, is that his peers at the time always made him the B serious announcer like the 
not the top tier one. Well, that's fair. If Bob Caudle had been the voice of the NWA instead of Gordon Soley, would it have done as well? I don't think. Like, and again, well, NWA sold itself on the fact here, that it was the wrestling. Here's, but. here's the thing about announcing that I think we need to like kind of set in stone here. As much as we love the announcing a lot, I don't think that announcing in general is something that like to the common fan makes make or breaks the product. Well, I don't know. It might be, Quinn, because a lot of people get very turned off by bad announcing. But I'm just saying, are you really saying that you think that like people would be like, oh, this announcing sucks. I'm turning it off like right now. Like, like yes. it, but I'm saying like, think about Stone Cold and the Attitude Era, right? Stone yeah. Cold's doing shit, right? Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's Byron and um, be horrible striker on commentary. No, man, and, no, but I'm saying I'm saying people would like stop watching the Attitude Era, like because of that. Like little no, by little, perhaps I, Quinn. Part of the reason that things got over and were threaded together is because of the announcing. I'm not denying that, and we know that. But I'm saying the common man just wants to stop see Stone Cold no. drink drink his beers and yeah. stun people. It's like exciting times. I'm just saying, like fine. Maybe not stop watching, yeah. but get irritated, yes. Because remember yeah. when JR got the Bell's palsy in the peak of the Attitude Era? Right. And who the hell did they replace him with? Michael Cole right. with King. And, and it was yeah. balls. Yeah. And that, thankfully, only lasted five months or so. But holy shit, was that bad. Right. I'm just saying it's not... It didn't make me stop watching. And I don't think it made viewers no, it didn't. go away okay, in droves. That's a fair point. That's the only thing. It's not like the champions where like they can make or break the company. Uh, okay, I'll, they, I'll give you that. They, let's put it this way: Do they make the viewing experience better? Like that's like period. Like the, do they or add take to away it? from do, it? Do they take away from it or add to it? And I think people that make this even in the top twenty aren't gonna like really take, take away, away from it. But like, no. how much do they add to it? Is the point? Does King add more to it than Coddle does? Uh, it depends on the era, but probably overall, I think king does i mean I, I think so too coddle is like like i think he's a, good though he's decent he's just like to me other than smoky mountain where it's all on him that was his chance to shine and he did great he did great he just it was smoky mountain like that's the problem yeah well and he also had a little more leeway he wasn't dealing with like mainstream things yeah like he could be a little outraged and silly i don't know enough about coddle to know Mm-hmm. If he ever had that one defining call or that one defining moment, that should be something. And I don't think he has. I mean, King has very memorable things to me. Like that's it. He's dead. God, 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 God. That's it. He's dead. King sells that like it's real. Yeah, I know. You, know. you know what I mean? Like to me, that's the most like serious. Like holy shit! Like King is like really making this seem like the real deal right now. And King had some matches that I really truly believe that he helped add to. And one of them was the Iron Man at WrestleMania 12. He's fantastic during he that. He's very good. He real cuz he's he's putting aside a lot of the heel shit and he's really trying to sell the drama. Right. See in a situation like this, I mean when your opponent's clearly got the advantage on you and look at the look at the pressure on the arm of the shoulder there. You might want to go ahead and submit just to be able to get out of that hole rather than risk an injury that right. could cost you the whole match. You but, might, but then again, we go back to that very right, first right, decision. Right, the first decision is so important. He's also fantastic at WrestleMania 18, Rock Hogan. Yes. We never oh, got to yeah. see Tyson, uh, Ali, we never, blah, yep. blah, blah. He is underrated in that regard. Yeah. The, his, I think he's overrated as a comedy announcer. 
And he's underrated as maybe not even overrated, but I think actually he's underrated as a comic. I don't think he's that good. And that's why this is what I'm going to say is that there's times when I laugh at what King says, but I think a lot of his humor gets muddled in the like 1970s joke book thing. Well, that's a big part of his shtick for a while. Though when King does it, when he's on a roll, he can be very, very. He can be very funny. Like when he was flipping out about like. Takamichi Noku, like, yeah, yeah, going at, like it's funny. There's times when King can just he can be a riot, right? And I think that gets underlooked. I don't know how you would, yeah, say, underlooked is a un- word that gets yeah. underlooked because people will just associate King with the corny like old man jokes or whatever. But like he can be very funny sometimes. He can be, and he can also really help sell the drama of a match. And not every time, and not all the time, but he he can be good at it. Bob but Cottle Con- doesn't have any of that. Well, Bob Cottle is also from a different, you know, A, south of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Different era. He never got to work for WWF, so it's hard to compare the two. I think as a play-by-play announcer, Cottle's very good. I agree. I think that the mark that he left is less significant than King. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of King as an announcer, but out of these two... Let me ask you this about those two. Yeah, go ahead. Regarding what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, is King more influential than Cottle? Like, because, I don't know if either of them are. No, well, the reason I'm saying this is because the direct like lineage and like that style that King does that I can see is Corey Graves. Yeah, uh, as far as like the current, because I get, and that's also just the one generation removed from King because he's just left. Yeah, you but, know? but King, the thing is, King was a watered down version of that to begin with, right? I'm I think s- Graves is trying to ape Jesse Ventura more than anyone else. No, I agree, but you I know? mean, sometimes he, you know, his goofiness about how much he hates um, Elias, for example, yeah. is like that's very King the way that is, or or Jesse, yeah, or Bobby. I'm just, I, I guess my point is, is does King leave a good influence? No. in that. No, I don't think I don't think King was an influential commentator. I think he was he stepped in to fill the heel commentary role, did a very good job. Yeah. And then was, you know, became a face, did a adequate job and was a solid company man and a pro. Yeah. For the rest of his career. But I don't think he's going to be ever remembered other than the Attitude Era as an all timer. Okay, I think that is what the crux of his legacy, I think, is the Attitude Era. Right. As an announcer. I agree. On the other hand, does Cottle, does anybody, is anybody trying to ape Bob Cottle and try to be like him? No, is I wouldn't think so. No, 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 not at all. So I think now, Cottle's number two. I, I agree I, with I, you. I think Cottle's two, too, because I think that should be a factor to me. It's, it's influence because uh, how the future announcers, yeah. the style should matter. That, that's fine. And, and like, of those two guys, I think King like edges him in that respect. He, yeah, that's fine, Quinn. And yeah. I think in terms of prominence, I think in terms of and they're both easy to listen to. Cottle may, may be easier to listen to. King has more peaks and valleys depending on what time in his career. King is also supposed to annoy you. Like as a well, heel. When he's like, a heel, he is. He, so in that sense, mm-hmm. he's doing his job. He annoys me as a face too, though, in the late two thousands. Yeah, that's and I can understand that and I agree with you, but But I, we also have to consider that's the era where they're becoming very heavily produced. They're also becoming very heavily fan- family friendly. And yeah. I think King is trying to invoke this like I'm like Uncle Jerry yes. who 
everyone knows I was around in the old days, right. but I'm also an old man, so I have yeah. old man humor. Like, he fits his character. I will say that I, I, Yeah, much. that's like, fine. Yeah. No, he does, and so do the Z movie villains, but yeah. I think, <laughs> I mean, really, but... No, I'm just, I'm just making the point that it's like, it's not Lawler's performance that's the problem. It's it's the direction. It's the material he's being given, right? Because yeah. they, at some point around 2009 or so, they gave King the character of, like, not understanding what anything is, so, so he always has to ask. Yeah, and actually, I want to say one little yep, thing about that is that like i always found it funny that they gave him this character of like art donovan <laughs> no 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 it's like he's old and he's been around for a while right like they would always say that like king you're so experienced right right but on the other hand there's this air of well the wwe is so different nowadays that king doesn't understand it <laughs> so king is in this role of asking the questions and the purpose of that role that I think a lot of people don't think about is the whole reason that King's supposed to be like, hell in the cell match? What does that yeah. mean? Wait, does that mean in the TLC they can use the tables, ladders, and the chairs? Right. And you may say as a, a wrestling fan, like, yeah, oh, no man, shit. Uh, no shit, right? <laughs> but you don't understand that that is for the young children in the audience yeah. who may have never seen a hell in the cell match. Right. This is their first hell in the cell match. King is supposed to be asking these questions so on that... On behalf of the audience. On behalf of the children Stupid. in the Audience, but it, it's it, as but a role it's the purpose yeah. right so like please can people understand that yeah. he's not trying to be stupid yeah he's trying to ask the questions that the seven-year-old who this is his first time watching professional <laughs> right. wrestling and is no trying friend. to understand uh, in the audience you're right yeah all right i think just by virtue of uh, memorability we'll we'll give it to king I as number give it one to king, yeah caudal number two but it's close i mean yeah I don't think either of them are all-time greats. We'll see how that shakes out, but congratulations to Jerry the King Lawler The Quinn. greatest uh, announcer of all time. Of all time, because... At number wow! <laughs> wow, crazy. Would you ever think King? <laughs> I would never think King, but at number one, it is Jerry the King Lawler, and at number two, it is Bob Damn, Cottle. Cottle. that's high rank. That's high ranking Two, there. The second greatest announcer ever. He really is. And folks, that is Royal Rankings week number one. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on both Jerry the King Lawler and Bob Cottle. And as we go on here week to week, let us know your Royal Rankings. We'll be adding two more to the pool there next week. But Quinn, when we come back, it's time for a challenge because we are finally reviewing that. Challenge! And that'll be coming up right after this. Bob Caudle, he called him the epitome of a white man in brown shoes. Bob Caudle is the, that's what his appeal was. He's the average, everyday guy that, you know, he would just, he would ask the questions that the fans, just the average fan, not the one of, oh, was that a hammerlock or a flying crotch lock? No, just the average people, he would ask the questions or say the things that they would be thinking of asking or thinking of saying. And he was just a great personality and fun to be around. It's, you would try to crack him up, but... It was almost like he was so into what he was doing that it, it didn't really register that, with him that you were trying to be funny. But Bob is great. And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, here on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2018, for episode number 111. Quinn, before we get into the challenge, challenge at hand here, we want to remind you guys there are other wrestling podcasts out there, 
and they are actually not hosted by Conrad Thompson. How could that be true? Well, it just actually is. But I don't even understand how. You have to dig a little. You have to find it. But they are out there, and we're going to name three of them that we really like and we want you guys to check out. We'll start with the wrestling podcast about nothing, which is every single Monday. You can check these guys out. And it's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business, unlike ourselves. You know, we being members of the wrestling media. The press. Yeah, the press. Do we get our press passes (laughs) at WrestleMania? Maybe for next year, yeah. Yeah, These guys, uh, one of them is an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus. Retirement. I think he's retired, yes. And his name is Bean Mike Crockett. The meanest of the Mikes. The biggest of the daddies. The Crockett's of the Crockett's. Yeah, the Crockett's of those Crockett's. And he's joined each and every week by a actual wrestler. He actually wrestles in the actual Ring of Honor. And his name is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. The Wine City Whaler. Sorry, yes. The Wine City Whaler, Brian Malonis. And these guys have a nice little show where they take their perspective as people that have worked in the business and have been fans of it for 25, 30-something years. And they have a nice show. It's a fun lesson. You can check it out every single Monday. The Wrestling Podcast about nothing. W-P-A-N. And also check out on Thursday is the critically acclaimed. Yeah, it's all the critics. The they, renowned. They, they claim this show. We're the only critics. We're the we? only critics that acclaim it. But you know what? You will claim it too if you listen to Greetings from Allentown every Thursday, hosted by one very lonely, quirky man, Quinn, Petey Winson. Yes, little baby Petey. You know, just so that we can verify this critically acclaimed thing, we yes. need to review a <laughs> podcast. An episode of Greetings from Allentown. <laughs> that would be amazing. The I most like, meta thing ever where we review every single little thing Petey says. You know what? I would do it. I'd be fine with that because eh, what, that joke was a little it didn't it didn't little hit, fisted yeah, there, it, didn't, Pete. it didn't hit the mark yeah <laughs> but check out greetings from Allentown because he reviews ostensibly anyway a wrestling show but really what he does is he talks a lot and it's just him so it's just him talking and and going all over the place but he brings it back every single time somehow anecdotes asides and weird observations you know things like that when Ron it's a really Kittle. good show Ron Kittle yeah. I always like to mention Ron well, Kittle he is a baseball player was yeah. a baseball player so all that and more on greetings from Allentown check that out on Thursdays and then if you like your retro wrestling with a side of grits, yes, you, can check, the grits. <laughs> you can check out our Southern Fried Brethren, the unprofessional wrestling podcast south of that Mason and Vixen line. It is booking the territory with Mike Mills and his crew. They do two shows when one of them focuses on the NWA Crockett era. And the other one focuses on those Smoky Mountains. The Smokiest of Mountains. It is the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. It is Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. So check out our three friends of the show, WPA and the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and Book in the Territory. But Quinn, we've been challenged. Challenge! Challenge! Here we go. We have not reviewed and this was i, I can't believe to- <laughs> this by the way like how did we like of all things right we're the biggest like bobby and gorilla supporters in Absolutely, the universe yep. and somehow we missed over challenge all these which is the show that they're on every besides right. primetime besides primetime but this is even more because they're on like the whole show right weekly weekly yeah we have done now uh since episode 11 we've been reviewing Yes. Shows. Okay, so that's 100 episodes ago, plus specials. Oh, this is the 100th anniversary. Of reviewing, the 100th I guess, right? review, everyone. <laughs> and we have not actually done just a straight-up regular episode of WBF Wrestling Challenge. We did International Challenge that, that one time. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't count. count yeah. So Challenge, folks, gives us a chance to talk about it briefly. There we go. History time. It grew out of All-Star Wrestling, yes. which was on from 71 until August of 1986. Which, which we really recently reviewed one of those. Yeah, on the Patreon, $3 tier. Now, Challenge was typically referred to as and marketed as the B show, meaning Superstars was the, was the A syndicated show. Right. And if there was a market where they had chance for one show, it mm-hmm. would always be Superstars. But 
in that same market, they could have another slot. Then Challenge would take so, the second slot. I want to say something about this A and B show thing. I feel personally that during this time, basically until like Raw existed, that the A and B show, there wasn't as much of a distinction, if you ask me. I mean, both just had jobber matches on them. Both sometimes had a feature match. The biggest delineation would be that Superstars more frequently had a feature match. Challenge Fair. didn't as as much. But it did. Occasionally, yeah. yeah. And only in the history of Challenge, which is 1986 to 1996... There was only one title change ever, whereas Superstars had there the majority. Three. I mean, well, like, it's, it's not yeah, like... Yeah, no, it, you might be right. It's not like... 87 that's all, that's all I'm trying to make the point is, like, I Honky, think, like... the Heart Foundation was on there. Busters. Re- yeah, Colossal Connection won yeah. the tag titles from the Demolition so on couple, there. But, but Challenge didn't... Had won the entire time in November 92. Right. Nevertheless, Challenge was basically there to do what the other syndicated shows were there to do, which was promote the live events and promote whatever pay-per-view might be impending. Right. And to promote just the current goings-on of the World Wrestling Federation. It certainly wasn't for your matches and your quality. Five-star match and six-star match. One thing I will say, it did promote the greatness of Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. That's probably the biggest reason to watch wrestling challenges from pretty much the inception of Challenge in 86, Uh besides a little bit of Johnny V involvement. (laughs) We don't have to count that. This is where Gorilla and Bobby teamed up every single week from 86 until 93. That's a long time for the brain to be annoying gorilla (laughs) on a weekly basis. And the point that we're at here, folks, which is April 26, 92, we'll set the table for you here. This is right after WrestleMania, a mere three weeks after WrestleMania 8, Mm -hmm. which is not only a great WrestleMania, it's one of the peak Gorilla and Bobby shows as a team. That's true. I'm a broadcast journalist. You're a liar. I'm a financial consultant. You're a liar. And I'm going to sit here and do my job like the gentleman I am. You're a liar. And if you don't like it, you can get out of here and you can you're turn your microphone and your headset. And you know what you can do with it. Because what? you're not going to get me upset. You're all upset. You understand that right now? You're not going to get me upset. Don't jump. It's a long way down. Put him up. <laughs> this was taped only two days after WrestleMania. So even though it's airing three weeks later, Taped only two days after WrestleMania 8. You, you can kind of tell with the way Bobby and Gorilla are speaking. Like, it feels like oh, WrestleMania is yeah. pretty recent. Quinn, let's get right to it here. This is April 26, 1992, Wrestling Challenge. And we are not live, of course, but we are at, Quinn, the Toledo, Ohio Sports Arena. Yeah, on a Sunday morning or whatever <laughs> yes. challenge is on. Yes. <laughs> All these people gathered here um, <laughs> to be here right now. Yes, very proudly, you said, in Toledo. <laughs> and very, they're so, like, ah, Toledo! Yeah, <laughs> yeah Gorilla, like, you would mention Gorilla's, like, immediately yelling. Yeah. It's like, ah, there it is! We're in Toledo! It's going to be a tea day! And blah, blah, blah. Oh, God, just yeah. yelling and screaming. Hello, everyone. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. Along with you got it, folks. The Weasel Bobby the Brain Heenan. By the way, it's super green screened. Yeah, they're, they're, very obvious. Yeah, they're, they're like, they look like too big or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I know it. what you like, mean, though. It, like, you know when this bad green screen, when they like the crowd zoom is not right. Right. Like, how do they not? I, <laughs> I don't I, know. Okay, this is something that bothered me. It's one thing to green screen it and to it to be obvious, right? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I get that they can't be yeah. everywhere or whatever, right? <laughs> right. Perfectly acceptable, right? Sure. They've been doing this for what, like seven years or something with this green, green screen shit? Five, like from five like years, 86, maybe. 87. 88. Mm-hmm. How have they not gotten the like, because I'm assuming they, how they do this, right? The camera crew does like an establishing like shot Crowd for shot. them to be, but they should know at this point, 
how zoomed it should be <laughs> or something. Quite. Like it's a good question. Yeah, like how do they fuck this up? <laughs> like like why does why doesn't somebody stand just to like guesstimate like what this will look like when it's green screen, right? You just and, say then, and then yeah, and then he moves, and then they film it after I, the I guy. Like, the how is it so fucking hard? So anyway, let's go to the intro here. Nondescript uh, music, but we have people like Hogan, Savage, Jake Roberts, Undertaker, Bossman, and of course Jerry Sachs. I must note that in the opening, why are there clips of WrestleMania five? I don't know. It's yeah. 1992. Isn't, that was like forever ago. Isn't it Hogan pinning Savage yes, or something like that? Like, what? How is that not gone by this point? Especially after Savage like just the champion now Savage too. Is the champion hogan's like retired or whatever he is like he had just done like how is that we're still referencing that (laughs) that's weird like they're not even they don't even fight each other and and, and it's just like it's like ancient history in wwf at this point (laughs) true let's go down the ringside quinn as bret hart makes his entrance with his newly won intercontinental title there the ring announcer is actually howard finkel not mike mcgurk i'm surprised by that it's fink the whole show too right it's fink the whole taping i guess strange mike was in there. Maybe she was with her family or something. With Leroy? Yeah, Leroy McGurk. Yeah, big Leroy yeah. McGurk. So Brett's opponent, Quinn, is Barry Hardy, who has hair a lot like Matt Hardy. Yeah, but he's the original Hardy boy, right? <laughs> yes. Barry Hardy. His hair is really bad. Is he their dad? <laughs> like, he looks like he could be, too. He's really old. Well, he's a Barry, right? And yeah. aren't all the Barrys always uncles? Like, Barry O is an yeah, uncle to Randy, true. so maybe he's our okay, uncle. Okay, Uncle Barry. Uncle Barry. Uncle Barry Hardy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Gorilla name drops, of course, Stu and Helen Hart, and Bobby's like, I didn't know that he had parents. Stu and Helen who? Stu and Helen Hart. I didn't know he had parents. I love how Gorilla and Bobby's banner is more casual since it's challenging. They, yeah. they clearly don't give a fuck. No, because like, it's not a pay-per-view. Yeah, it's like, here, here we are. They're just making a lot of, like, it's basically like watching TV with us. They're yeah. just making, like, snide references to each they, other the whole show. Care. They don't care. Like, <laughs> like, maybe referencing WrestleMania 8 a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I always like to think that they start doing this around, like, 6 in the morning for some reason, right? Just Very because, early. like, only early because they have to do so many. Right, right, And right. at this point, it's like, I don't know, like, 9... Okay. Nine, ten o'clock in the morning right. and the coffee's starting to really get in there <laughs> right. and like but they're at the same time they've said all the things they can say so they're kind of bored yeah and they're just kind of waiting to like i don't know probably 11 or noon for lunchtime get so they, out of there because it's probably like a half day i think when you do this i would imagine it's about a half day so it's like they're waiting maybe they're gonna go to um the the pizza place or whatever that guy from that what was that thing that what? we watched where they where they went to some super Tony Paco's. Tony what are you Paco's? talking? <laughs> yeah, they're gonna go to Tony Paco's afterwards, or maybe the Japanese place where uh, Mr. Fuji yes, and Yoko I were. Mean, that's obviously there, by right the way. Like, the street. I guarantee you, that's like like a block to the right of Titan like, Tower. Yeah, of Titan Tower. Like, <laughs> I do know that Gorilla I, Bobby loved working with Gorilla, and he's always said for him it was like a day off doing this with Gorilla. He, yeah. it never felt like work to him. And this was their main job too. It was weird. this like, in prime they, time. They like just hung out <laughs> yeah it must have been fun right yeah. so uh brett of course gives a little kid his hitman shades referee today is danny davis with decent hair i'll give him that it's, it's not bad it's okay he's starting to come into the era of danny davis where like he's more slick yeah i want to say more like, slick less still sh- with the long sleeves but well of course yeah. why did, is it because he has sailor tattoos? he might have sailor tattoos okay. or something like that but he he's not shemp at least yeah. like his hair is not in shemp it, it's form. less shemp it's less shempy and it's definitely less birds nasty uh, so anyway brett kicks uh, uncle barry's ass here as we throw to an insert promo of sean with sherry sean says he's the excellence of persecution persecution and you were saying when they give brett like a, a new jersey class so okay this is like a joke I don't know if it's only where we live or it's like between people we know or something. But the joke is, it's like, 
okay, give him a hand, give him a nice jersey clap. Right? Like <laughs> yes. and then it's like one clap. Yes. But like they do this, it's like good for Bret Hart. He did so good, he won the title. Yeah, right, right. Give him a hand, and then Sherry and Michaels go. You deserve a round of applause for winning the Intercontinental title. That's enough. It's interesting that they're already like this is like right after WrestleMania and right already Sean versus Brett is like happening. It's I, it's a thing and they're it's it, like they're saying it's gonna happen at the Boston Gardens yeah, and tonight, all this crap. Tonight, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Well Brett and Sean, folks, had a an immediate feud for the IC title, which is why they had all these matches that you can find on Coliseum Video in ninety two. Like way too many matches. A ton, like, right? Yeah, there's like a lot of these weird ones that I feel like WWF to this day they like be like, look, we just found this yeah, random Sean versus <laughs> Brett match. They have them in like 93. They have yeah. them in early 94. It's all real. You know, I thought Sean and I could have some really good matches other than those, you know, besides those dinosaurs like Hulk Hogan, exactly. you know, like that whole yeah, mentality, yeah. which is true. They were doing some good stuff back then. So anyway, Sharpshooter gets the win after like two minutes of nothing. That match existed. Yeah, literally. Okay, I will say this about pretty much every match, actually all of the matches, <laughs> the wrestling on Wrestling Challenge doesn't really exist. No, it's a challenge to find a good match. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the challenge is more to make up uh, snide remarks <laughs> for Bobby and Gorilla yeah, really. like, and see, like, could this be a really good week of remarks? <laughs> Quim, let's go to a special report with his lordship, uh, presumably sponsored by WWF Magazine, because they show the cover. Yeah, so it's sassy Miss Elizabeth <laughs> on the cover, like, she's cute. This is, she like, is cute. cute Elizabeth, like, yes. now she's married woman thing. Yeah. And Mrs. Elizabeth. Mrs. Elizabeth <laughs> on the cover, and you're thinking like, okay, WWF Magazine sponsoring fine. it, right? They always do that. But no, no, it's brought to us by the summer of 1992 WWF merchandise catalog. Yeah, so like they show that magazine, then they like clip to Lord Alfred. This is brought to you by the catalog. <laughs> macho Man. <laughs> Get your Macho Man foam hat. <laughs> like all that bullshit. Why, like why did they show both? I don't know. Like was what weird. was the point of that? Like I'm, I'm very It was confusing. confusing. No, I didn't yeah, like, like it. Last week on Superstars, Quinn, Mean Gene spoke with a bunch of uh, dorky kids in Ultimate Warrior face paint. Well, can I can I comment on this? Because yeah, go ahead. I thought this was a little weird because yes. first they like show like all these like little girls, little like, kids. Yeah, li- no, but it There's was like, like a dorky boy there right, too. There was one little boy, yeah. right? But then the only person they asked to talk is like this boy that's clearly like five to six years older yes. than all of these yes. kids. Yes. They're like, who's your favorite wrestler? <laughs> yeah. Who is your favorite superstar? Ultimate Warrior. So Warrior makes his way down. It's his first interview since coming back at WrestleMania 8. And the crowd's happy to see him at least. You can tell there's people actually clapping. Warrior has like his Jill Taylor hair. And yeah, <laughs> I never liked this <laughs> haircut. I, this Warrior, right? This is the very reason that people like theorize that there was a second warrior. He looks so different. He looks really weird with his hair and his physique is not a steroidy, of course. The thing is, though, it's like it's not that ridiculous, like to the point where I'm like, this is a different person. So I never could understand why people thought like a change of haircut and like maybe a shirt on was like (laughs) somehow he was like completely different. I don't know. It's one of those funny rumors. Yeah, I always thought that was hilarious. So he's uh, he's talking very calmly today and he's very mad at Sid. Something with the kids. But also, he's mad that Sid tried to hurt Hulk Hogan. Tried to spend doom upon our great friend, Hulk Hogan! But he's all pandering to the crowd. And what I'm going to assume, Quinn, you know, they're bringing him back here. They're going to have a big 92 run with him. So I guess they're trying to finally, like, humanize him once and for all. Well, they tried to humanize him before, like, the time he fought the chicken man and, like, the time he, like, hung out with kids Who's every the day. the chicken man? 
remember the guy in the chicken suit in that music video? Phil Collins. Phil Collins, yeah. yeah. Oh, you didn't call him Peter Gabriel this Peter time. Gabriel. That's yeah, yeah. Same, I, they, same thing. They're not putting him in music videos. It's, it's more just like a family-friendly thing. He's very calm. Yeah. You I'm, notice that? I'm surprised they didn't bring out, like, Dana Warrior and, like, <laughs> like to hang out with him or whatever. I don't whatever. think they were married yet. Yeah, I know. But, like, whenever I associate the Ultimate Warrior's name with charity, I think of Dana Warrior. Yeah, they like to exploit that whole thing. Yeah. So, basically, Warrior's going to beat up Sid, even though I'm pretty sure Sid, like, immediately leaves, like, because the steroids or the well, softball. Well, also softball yeah. season is beginning. I right. mean, it's April, man. It it's is a, April. It's, it's getting, getting warm getting, out. Yeah, it's getting warm out. Sid's got to go play <laughs> softball, damn it. So that's the end of the interview, basically. Vince rants about how great a match Sid versus Warrior is going to be. That whole segment was strange. Like, it was just... The thing with the kids really, it's like, weird, right? like, bothered me. Because, first of all... Out like character no, for well, him, too. It's not even that, just that. It's that the Warrior is crazy. Right, he is a crazy person. That is uh, yeah. his character. Is that he's a crazy person? Yes, the character he's itself. With another person who's psycho, mm-hmm, very, and they're hanging out with kids. Well, yeah, that's a good point. This is a little much. There should be some laws invoked here or something, right? I, I, Where you keep the maybe, children away. Maybe Tunny should have come. Never fucking again will the warrior hang out with these children <laughs> until he like takes his Valium or whatever. It is my decision that there was a contract. He seems like a Prozac kind of guy, actually. I, if you yeah, ask me. I'm, I'm not good with the medicines, so I don't know. <laughs> what, whatever, whatever doctors prescribe to make the Ultimate Warrior not think he's from space. Robitussin. Yeah, put, something. Yeah, put that tussin on it. Yeah, yeah, boy, let that tussin get in there, boy. We're back, Quinn. It's your favorite, Shawn Michaels. Well, sorry, that's Skinner. Yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> this was weird. I yeah. want to note this because before they went to commercial break, they're like, Big Boss yes, Man, right, he's right. so good. Like, coming up. Coming up, right? They come back, right? It's like, wow, 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 wow. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like thinking like, oh, Boss Man's going to beat up Skinner, right? Naturally. Instead, Skinner gets to the ring and there's a jobber there. And I'm like, what? Right, like, Tyler. And I'm like, this is so weird because I thought Skinner would be jobbing <laughs> right. to Boss Man. Not jo- Skinner would be the guy being enhanced. Right. But, you know, it is early in the Skinner run here. Early enough in Skinner's run. Coming off that bad loss to Owen Hart in about two minutes at WrestleMania 8. <laughs> bad that Michael loss. Got to rebuild He him. always loses. <laughs> what are you talking about? He was undefeated until Tuesday in Texas. Not really. Did, didn't, That's what he, they didn't said. Didn't he compete at Tuesday in Texas, right? Bret Hart. What was the? I just never could understand the Skinner push. He looks like a jobber. What's your he problem with talk. Steve Kern? He eats goop. Like why? Why he is, likes his tobacco goop? Like, yeah. Why am I supposed to think of him as a threat? He just wears like jeans and a crappy shirt. So does Shawn Michaels now. Now, but he's retired. That's true. <laughs> Skinner looked like he was always a retired Shawn Michaels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, the referee is, I don't know, Dork McGee. I don't know the guy's name. Side headlock by Red Tyler as the announcers hype that big warrior Sid feud. This seems uh, the one thing I got out of this show is that the warrior and Sid thing they were hinging a lot of shit oh. on this. Like they're acting like this is like a this big is the program. T- well, this is the top feud because Hogan's not here anymore. Hogan's not there. They're trying to build Warrior. They know probably in the back of their minds we're going to put the title on this guy because I think they were going to again. And so, what's Macho Man supposed to be doing right now? He's, because they don't even talk about him in this only show. Only a little. Yeah, I, he's still like feuding with Flair. That hasn't been settled yet. Yeah, yeah in they theory, just they kind of you know? like brush it to the side. They're, they're like, like this Warrior Sid feud. Yeah. Like this is going to take us to the top. That's what they're hinging it on. I think. Yeah. 
yeah. you're right. So Gorilla, of course, says that that match will be the irresistible force versus the immovable object. And in the same sentence, he manages to work in the white coats and net reference for Sid. Now, He's I very also, Gorilla. I also believe at this point, Bobby starts to put two and two together about the Warriors crazy also. <laughs> yes. So like this feud is weird, like in general, because it's two crazy people fighting each other. Yeah. So do you think the crazy cancels each other out? So I think that actually makes this feud not work. They're both nuts. And I, I've never seen a Warrior Sid match, but I can imagine that it's very bad. Honestly, oh, it like, can't be that good. It can't good. be good, right? No, here's the thing about Warrior. Warrior, actually, Sid's kind of the, they're kind of the same thing. Because Warrior and Sid can be very good in with good wrestlers. Sure, Sid with like a Bret Hart or a Shawn Michaels. Right. Uh, Warrior with someone like a Savage to plan out a good match with right. them. Or like, Rude. They're kind Rick of Rude. the same thing. Yeah, it's a cancel out situation. Yeah. I don't really like it. <laughs> I don't either. Cancel that match, please. So anyway, Skinner tosses Red over the ropes and then goes outside, nails him with a clothesline and some choking. He's kind of wrestling like nails. Yes. Skinner sucks. <laughs> we get an insert voiceover from Fink, which I didn't know they were still doing those in 92. Live WWF action returns to Portland, Maine, and it's this Monday night. We return to Portland, Maine tomorrow. You yeah. know, that whole thing. Yeah. It'll be the Mountie will be there, Quinn, the Natural Disasters, Puppet Shango, big yep. lineup. Anyways. That, but that sounds horrible, right. actually. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Skinner hits the Gator Breaker, which is a nice finish, the inverted DDT for the win. Looks like the uh, Alligator Man is about to do his thing, and he did just that. Yes. The Alligator Man! Oh, there he is! <laughs> and Bobby's like, yeah, he's got his cleanest, dirty shirt on. <laughs> Bobby and Gorilla line. are good. It's they just are. you know what the thing is in this. There really is an air of they don't care. Well, like, that's I, what I got I, most out of this show. How do you really? It's hard to, to yeah. make this sound good, Quinn. Like I was actually a little. I'm going to say it right now. I was a little disappointed with their performance in this episode. Yeah, it was. A, it was probably like a six out of ten. It was very uninspired. Yeah, like, and and that's what I go to challenge for is them. I will say this though. <laughs> Imagine anyone else on commentary and having oh, to watch yeah. this shit. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's other so, than Jesse and maybe Gorilla could yeah, save it, Jesse but that would never Vince, happen. That would yeah. be it, yeah. Sean Mooney is in the event center with a nice, clean haircut. And uh, at the Boston Garden tonight, the Intercontinental Champion Bret Hart defends against Shawn Michaels. And I, I was surprised that that yeah, was like, just, like, at this point, is. I was like, wow, that's happening. And also the Sid versus Warrior. Yeah. Like, all of this shit that they're talking about, it's like, no, it's happening tonight, baby. Right, and to go on with your point, Quinn, the main event of the Boston show is Sid Warrior. No yeah. Savage. I guess he might have been doing a, the A or B show. I don't know. I was probably doing things with Elizabeth or whatever, because this is for <laughs> yeah, you, Miss Elizabeth. You, he had to, huh? you know, he got through a big fight. He's got to spend some um, quality time with the, with the Mrs. Elizabeth. Yeah, quality time, if you know what I'm saying yeah. there. Anyway, we get a very Sid-esque promo by Sid, with Harvey Whippleman standing by just saying nothing. And bottom line, I guess... <laughs> what is Harvey there for? such a stupid manager for now, Sid. Now, I must admit... Admit, Sid's promo here was very like Sid. Sid, but I was surprised at how like it was the Sid of like 95, 96, where he's like, I will rule the world yeah. and like uh, I'm the master and all this. We'll crush your skull. Yeah. Into a thousand pieces. I'm going to crush your skull into a thousand pieces. People like to shit on Sid's promo because that one time he like fucked up or whatever. We're live, pal. Yeah, we're live, pal. And then that one time in WCW, like I have half the brain you do yeah. or something. However, people tend to forget that his gimmick is he's crazy. Like, why is he like? It would be stupid if he said like, "I am the most intelligent man." And yeah, he'd be Dean you're, Douglas. You're stupid and dumb, and I don't like you. And blah blah blah. <laughs> or the like, genius. Like, or if he just in in general just talked normal. Who right. do you think is smarter, Dean Douglas or the genius, by the way? 
I'd say the genius because right, he yeah. does poetry. Dean Douglas is like a fake dean, and I feel like he's a dean of wrestling. Not like, really of education. It's like he's a physical fitness teacher versus <laughs> like a gym teacher versus like a professor or something that just graduated or, high school. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. how Lenny Poffo dresses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but back to the Sid thing. Yeah, you're right. His promos should be the way they are. Yeah, like they they're fine. Yeah, I, I everything but, about Sid is fine. <laughs> just take Sid at face value, and he's fine. Yeah, don't overanalyze Sid. Don't just think always about remember Sid. he's he's crazy. He's, That's what he's supposed to be, and he rules the world. Yeah, well, just according to him, let him believe that. Yeah, you know, you just let him no believe harm, that. No foul. No. He's not ruling anything in real life. <laughs> and even War here is like basically saying like Sid doesn't rule the world, and he smells or something. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, Girl Quinn throws us to that newcomer, and he spells out his name Quinn C R U S H. Yellow Crush. Yeah, yellow. This is horrible. Horrible. From the beginning. You want to go through this? Because this is shitty. So first of all, Brian Adams is back uh, after departing, you know, in in late 91, mid 91. gone. Yeah, with after the horrible version of Demolition with the... Yeah, that music and everything, right? No, but he's back, and apparently that never existed because they're acting like he's a newcomer. Yeah, that newcomer, that yeah. new son. Yeah, <laughs> with nice the same kid. name, with the yeah. same name. He's a nice kid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's in front of a wall with like horrible graffiti clearly, of his name. They clearly did that themselves behind Titan Tower and like the loading dock, and then like washed <laughs> it off afterwards. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? And he's like, "Hey, bro." People want to know that I why I got the name Crush. I yeah. always like the Crush things. This is the worst thing ever, right here. He he says people want to know how I became the Crush. <laughs> it's because I like to crush things when I was little, right? Yep. So you're like, okay. So you think he's gonna say something now, and all of a sudden, fade to black to a fake film, like old, yeah, film. like a fake sixteen millimeter In film, black and white, In black and white. First of all, this man is like. 20 something at this point. So, Brian Adams. So, this yeah, like is supposed to be the 60s, I yeah. guess, right? <laughs> Which means, first of all, that would have been like Super 8 and in color yes. if it was filmed. And it wouldn't be like making like the turning the thing noise, <laughs> the like, crank, the crank or whatever. <laughs> Second of all, it's clearly a kid from the 90s. Yeah, he's like dressed like one practically. Right. Yet, they clearly got Lincoln logs. Which I love. And they put them in a nineties living 90s living room Very because 90s. You, can, you can see the couch and it's that the fuck the early nineties thing, you know, like like that kind of pattern. I in love the back. that that's the catch all. Yeah. The fuck Jerry Cup. Everyone know if you go on Instagram, fuck Jerry, you follow fuck Jerry. Yeah, that's like they, that's they, the they use that cup yeah. thing, the styrofoam <laughs> cup design. And he crushes a styrofoam cup and then they just clip back and they see it's like see. Even yeah. when he was a kid, here's some secret footage. Like, and I'm just like, this is fucking horrible. And just imagine what a full-grown, six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-pound crush can do. Nothing. And it's no wonder this whole thing like failed. It's just shitty. It's really a weird way to introduce a new gimmick, isn't it? Right. Like a kid crushing a paper cup, and they're like, "Now I crush." What is he? And so he says, like he's going to crush the superstars at the WWF. To be fair, I mean, they really treated him like he. I'm not saying he was good, but they treated him like he mattered. I guess. I, I mean, realize. if, if Doink feuds are your well, way to really that's make a good point, yeah. Doink won that feud yeah, too, which is he even lost funnier. The feud too. I think we were under the belief maybe that the crush gimmick went sour later, <laughs> but I think it was bad all along. I think and, it was I, and, I, and I stand by that. Do you think if it would have been a heel to start, it would have been better? Yes. I think so too. 
Anyway, we hear the wonderful melodious tones of Rick Martel's music, which I love. And yeah, now this is the crappy Rick Martel. Yeah, though, the, big the blazer with the big button. And yeah. you were saying he's starting to look old finally. Yeah, he's really looking bad here. Like, finally, it took him a short, while. So the short hair has kicked in, and that to me always made him look like an old man trying to look young. The Ken doll yeah, hair. Yeah, so I, I really think that what they were doing was is like, okay, like this guy's starting to look a little old. Let's see if we can spruce him up a bit. You know, guys are starting to get the bowl cut. It's the 90s, like, so he gets that. That is basically what it is, and it's just shitty. It's pretty shitty. He's facing some doof named uh, Chris Hahn, and Gorilla naturally calls Martel <laughs> the arrogant one. Thumbs down for the arrogant one. The referee is once again Dork McGee. Uh, Martel and Hahn have, like, an ROH-like sequence to start. You notice that a lot of reversals and clean breaks? Was I didn't actually, notice any yeah. of it because I was writing things down. I noticed it. Because the match was four seconds long. I, the only thing I noticed was Bobby called Tatanka Moccasin. <laughs> yeah, which I, I, was, I was like, that's the best line of the, the match right there. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'll tell you something about old Moccasin breath. A uh, side headlock by Martel, followed by a stiff clothesline, a drop kick, which Gorilla insists was a knee lift, okay, but this, Bobby argues it. This whole exchange was really strange because it's very clearly a drop kick. Not a good one, I will admit. It's Gorilla, poor. It's poor, and I think that's what Gorilla was going for, like in his brain. He was trying to, he was going to call it a knee lift because it was bad. Like, yeah, he was, he was trying a, to cover it. Beautiful drop kick. Those, oh. This is not the kind of a drop kick. Yes. It wasn't a drop kick, it was, it was a knee lift. Oh, it was a drop kick. It was. You must be watching something different. On my mind, it was a drop kick. Oh. What was that? Gut wrench suplex, it looked like to me. Like a hammer lock to me. Oh, boy. The bottom line is, Girl and Bobby clearly have nothing to work with here. Yeah, and neither do we. Two cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah, really? Right, yeah. yeah, same here. Yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Anyway, Bobby does his hi, how are you bit, and Gorilla's yeah. like, what? Stop! Yeah. Disgusting! <laughs> funny, funny reaction. Uh, hi, how are you? Hi, what? how are you? Stop it! Disgusting. Boston Crab gets the win there for uh, Ricky Myrtle. And Quinn, make sure you get WrestleMania 8 on VHS. Yeah, that's pretty quick. Like, that they edited that together in Holy like three shit. weeks or something. Yeah. Like, uh, I bet you it was on sale like earlier than that, actually. <laughs> and if your video store doesn't have it, demand it. Yeah, okay? make sure. They better fucking tell them. <laughs> now, this was weird, Quinn. This is right out of the uh, the future Vince Russo playbook. Yeah, this was really, <laughs> I, this whole thing was weird to me. And there was like no commercial break no. between any of it. While Martel was like still at ringside hey, to talk this even- music hits like his mute first of all martel's music is playing he's only he's not even i didn't even say he's halfway down the no. aisle he's like he's like at the entrance of the <laughs> yes. aisle to leave to leave and fucking hey how are you like storms down and right like, runs down yeah and his stupid ass white pants <laughs> looks like shit and now these guys just fought recently right yeah Tonka just won or us many eight so why first of all why is this still even happening because the, the the feathers are now like back into Tonka's possession and all this yeah he got his feathers back right so why does this exist anymore? well Martel's mad so he sprays arrogance this is the best part near him not on yes, him but Tatanka like sort of sells it which yes, was weird but then as Martel's walking away Tatanka like does the war cry to him and he runs yeah. away yeah it was really the whole thing was strange and I I just I don't get why Tatanka was a thing no I know I mean look he had a good look did he in the white pants? Well, the white pants weren't good, but yeah, overall, that's how they started him. Yeah, good luck. His opponent is uh, the formidable Dwayne Gill. Yes, Gilberg himself. Yes, uh, Tatanka skips towards him, which makes Gilberg leave the ring there. And now he doesn't have chief powers, so I don't no. understand why 
But Dwayne Gill would probably be familiar with the Chief because well, he's been around he forever. When well, he's a wrestling fan, yeah, right? Yeah. He's of the school of wrestling. So he might know. But I, <clears throat> I feel like Tatanka has nothing behind that skip. Oh, like, no way. He like, doesn't have any step behind the skip. Like, we know, right? Mm-hmm. We know from watching 82 that the Chief, there's a reason people are afraid of the skip. Well, you'll get knee lifted right in the jaw there if you don't get the hell out you of the might way. Lose your tag title, right? Like, <laughs> right like, exactly. He, he's uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. Tatanka is. is absolute hot garbage. <laughs> he sucks. Tatanka's offense is pretty uninspired and includes yelling uh, and a high vertical suit play. And Bobby calls this is funny, Quinn. Bobby calls Dwayne Gill a Hammenegger, and girls like we don't have any of those here, brain. Yeah, yeah we clearly do. It's <laughs> yeah. Dwayne Gill <laughs> and Tatanka. Yeah, big power slam, and this is where it starts, Quinn. The Skippy dance, and Bobby first of all is like, is he dancing or does he have a nail on his boot? And here's the chief part, which it's half a rip too by Gorilla. So he. He does seriously compare him to Chief. Yeah, but then he's also like, I used to watch Chief when I was a youngster. Is he dancing or does he have a nail in his boot? Sort of reminds me of Chief J. Strongbow. I used to watch do that when I was a youngster. Now that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And Bobby's like, I didn't know they had music in 1908. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Gorilla, any chance he gets to make fun so of Chief what, J. What is Gorilla's problem with Chief J? It's just, they're, they're friends and he's ribbing them. <sighs> Same way he always calls Patterson fat. Well, Chief is more fat than he is. Very by this fat, point. man. Now, I see, I have no problem with Chief being fat because he was a workhorse for so long. But Patterson, man. A workhorse. What are you talking about? What are you watching the same show I am? He's like, <laughs> he's the best. He's so good. Don't besmirch the chief. Sorry. Uh, so top rope tomahawk by Tatanka, followed by the Simone drop for the win. Earl counts the pin while looking away from the wrestlers because Earl Hudner sucks in kayfabe. Uh, back to Mooney, who really, really wants you to do the Boston Garden. Tonight. Just go to the fucking Boston Garden. <laughs> Just go. It. Yeah. All right. Mooney wants you to go. Yeah. Also, Quinn. Next week, we have the All Max Food Festival 92. Now, I didn't know the guy from Legends of the Hidden Temple had a food festival. What is this about? I don't know. Why are they promoting it? Because the Bushwhackers are going to be there? That's it. Like, they literally, the only, like, it says, like, all this other information, and then on the very bottom, it says, and the Bushwhackers are going to, like, I swear, that's what the the thing says. Would you go to some food festival just to meet the, yeah, maybe I would. (laughs) They are nice. (laughs) They are nice. We've established this from the Hall of Fame speech. They're wonderful with the kids, too. So, yeah, maybe I would, actually. Uh, Back to tonight, though, Quinn. At the Boston Garden. Oh, yeah, this. British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith faces the Repo Man, and we get a promo from Repo. He doesn't like dogs, Quinn, because there's real dogs that bother him when he's repoing or robbing or whatever he does. Yeah, they bark, and they cause a, a ruckus. So he says he kicks him in the or face. maybe a rough kiss. A, very good. Yeah. And uh, he kicks these dogs in the face, he says, and yeah. puts a noose on them. What? It, yeah. Jerk. I, now, this... Good thing Peter wasn't here. This is right in line with earlier Repo Man, where, like, he broke windows and shit. Yeah, he was like, a little uh, meaner. Yeah, he, I like that Repo Man. Me too. This is like, before he's cartoon villain Repo Man, yeah, you know? Yeah, he's, like, a real dick. Yeah, he is a dick. Yeah. Uh, Mooney says something about a long leash. Horrible pun. Not, yeah. I mean, my pun was pretty bad a couple minutes ago, but this was worse. The leash thing. Yours was much better, Quinn. Yeah. In all seriousness okay. there. I'll be doggone. Beverly Brothers tonight also at the Boston Garden. Quinn are facing LOD. And unfortunately, Quinn, <sighs> we get an LOD promo. Yep. I am God. Literally, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Literally opened by Ellery. Like, I am the bad apple. I am the bad apple. Why? Shut up. <laughs> you are horrible. He's the worst. Why is he there? He does nothing. He's shown no proof that he's made LD better. In fact, they're not even the champions anymore. And they never would be ever again. 
He is the worst manager <laughs> ever. Ever. And then, of course, Animal does his yelling thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then Hawk, of course. Yeah. Well, his and, line is so lame. Now, at least he didn't mention sweat socks True. or something or slime goo or whatever he, he said. He just said instead of rich and famous, the Beverly Brothers will be down and out. Yeah, I, I was waiting for down and uh, gooey. Like, down and gooey <laughs> or smelly or, you know, what Slimy. he always Yeah. And he also says, we're the ones that don't care. Well, we're the ones that don't care. Well, no shit. Yeah, well, you don't have to care because <laughs> you don't need to be here anymore. Speaking of that, back to ringside as Carrie Von Eric makes his way down to ringside. He still works here? I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. baffled by this. He actually really yeah. does. He still had one foot in the door here. Yeah. Girl and Bobby talk about how he's got a great body and he's very well put together. Yep. <clears throat> okay. His opponent is uh, Mark Roberts. No relation to Jake, I don't think, Quinn. And yeah, it's it's Jake's uh, half-cousin. <laughs> half-cousin. Yeah. Kerry takes forever as he walks around the whole ringside area kissing women like he's Richard Dawson or something on yeah, Family Feud. This is supposed to be like, the way they're acting, like he's coming back. This is supposed to be a comeback yeah. of sorts. I don't know how long he was gone. Wasn't he in the Rumble? I don't even think he was. I don't. He was in the rubble. I felt like he was long gone by April 92. Like, well, you barely saw him, but right. he was in the Rumble. I remember him being in the Royal Rumble because he had, remember he, he fought Flair for like a brief now, segment. if I recall, by this point in time, he's facing like heavy drug charges, right? Like he is I not think so. long for this, this WWF here. He is gone by August. Yeah. That I know. Yeah. He is gone by August, four more months, and then he's done. Mark Roberts pushes Tornado from behind, so Kerry discus punches him, ca causing Roberts to bail out of the ring. Kerry lets him back in through the ropes. Gorilla and Bobby are still bickering about the Flair Savage match from WrestleMania. There, like, okay, still. Okay, so there, there's a funny thing that happens here, right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite Gorilla and Bobby moments in the whole thing. They're bickering, right? Yeah. And Gorilla randomly goes like, I've, I've heard from Tunny that yeah. Flair isn't the number one contender, yep. and Bobby's like, what? Yeah, he does a very funny, well, almost like a king yeah, style. Like, like, what? I understand right now that you're not even considered number one challengers at the moment. What? We get an insert promo from Tornado. He says he's feeling better than ever. Glad to be back, like you mentioned, but he'll be gone soon. Bobby says he speaks two languages, Tornado does. English yeah. and Texas. Yeah. Man, nothing's happening in the ring. Nothing like, is going like, on. There, this is Awful. indicative of the whole show. Like, mm -hmm. literally, the Whole ring doesn't matter. No, it doesn't like, at it all. It is so nothing. Like, it's punching and, <laughs> and, and body slam, maybe. Like yeah, a, maybe. <laughs> a finishing move, and that's it. Like, Yeah, we get a claw followed by another tornado punch, which Gorilla helpfully says, Oh, there it is! Yeah, thank you, Gorilla. <laughs> For the win. Oh, there it is! And then Gorilla has to shill, unfortunately. Yes! <laughs> WBF magazine, <laughs> which is going on sale Tuesday. And Quinn, we see a picture of one of the bodybuilders, probably Gary Stridham. Maybe it was Mighty Mike Quinn yeah. eating a Big Mac. Now, Gorilla says, Brain, you should really like read this article because we know how much you like the fast food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. Bobby says Lex Luger is going to be the next WBF champion. Now, I am surprised by the mention of Lex Luger this early. Well, he was just at WrestleMania. See you June 13th. Yeah, the milk promo, but it's not June 13th yet. Well, it will be, and they got to just... build towards that. So let's go to Mean Gene on the interview platform, Quinn, to uh, welcome your favorites, the WBF Tag Team Champions Money Incorporated. Ugh. Ugh, they're so they're dumpy, dumpy right now. Yeah. Like, DiBiase has, like, the crappy suit, the one that's, like, 
cotton or something. Yeah, yeah. just with the two little dollar sign epaulets. Not yeah. even epaulets, like He's lapels. So junk now. They're junk. Gene reminds Jimmy Hart that the natural disasters are hot on their tail. And Jimmy Hart tells a bald-faced lie here, Quinn. Mm-hmm. He says he managed the natural disasters for a year and a half. It was like eight months. Maybe he's counting when he managed Earthquake by himself. That's what I just, that's what I gathered. Maybe, but then he could have said like two and a half years. Yeah, true. So he really fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, IRS actually makes it through a promo without yeah. messing up his I, words. I fell asleep once IRS started speaking. <laughs> and the one thing is, don't you pay your taxes on time. Always, like, it's always. always, never anything else. He never has anything <laughs> important to say. Never, ever. literally never. You might as well just shut off your audio. When he talks, because it's the same thing. It will, first of all, it will keep you awake. The action of pressing the button and having to monitor him stop talking. But whatever. Gorilla is very upset that Money Inc. got counted out intentionally and thinks that they should be stripped of he the needs belt. To shut up, Gorilla. That, yeah, that is just dumb. Like well, is I, Gorilla supposed to be a big proponent of the rules? Right. They didn't break the rules. No. They got counted out. Maybe what? if maybe if the disasters weren't so fat and slow, they would have dragged them back in the ring. Or maybe they should just have like a no count out match or something. There you go. Just anything. Like it's a rule. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, in the ring, Quinn, proudly from Sheboygan, <laughs> very big in Sheboygan. Very big in Sheboygan. Is Tom Bennett. <laughs> Proud, big white shirt. Yeah. Like, that's big. all he's wearing. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. His opponent, finally, the big bosom man. Yeah, and, after the that's like the after the second commercial break of hyping him, like what, really hyping him tonight. So he must be like the featured player today, right? I, I think so. Yeah, even though, like he's facing nobody. Yeah, and this is kind of getting towards the end of his relevance. Like he yeah. he came down. He was really good in ninety ninety one. How could you say that, Joe? Because the biggest feud ever for the boss man is coming up. Uh, yeah, Bobby foreshadows nails not by name because they don't have a name for him yet. By yeah. the way, Earl Crappy is the ref. But how do they know about nails? Like who told them about nails? Okay. Girl and Bobby know who this is so first of all the, the first mention of it that like bobby saying something about how like boss man took away the prime rib of, of <laughs> this like, is a, funny of some kind of prisoner right and that he's been beating him in prison and girls like what prime rib yeah <laughs> it's funny so there's that right yeah but then they're like they're talking about how like he's still there 30 more days so you want to go into this because like the boss man a box comes up oh, of God, him yeah. talking so girls like oh it's here for mr law and order himself yeah so Bossman's basically like, Nails, only 30 days till you get out. And if you come to me, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, basically. So, okay, hold the phone here. First of all, 30 days. He's still he's still in jail. Yeah, he's got another month to go. He's beaten him, presumably, in the past before he came to the World Wrestling Federation, uh, right? I would imagine so. What an asshole. Like, <laughs> J- Nails is not even out of jail. And he's saying, when you get out, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, what is like, that, actually? What the hell? Like, what did he even do? He's stuck behind bars. He can't do anything. From what I understand, wasn't it just an overdue parking ticket? That's what Bobby always said. Well, okay. Bobby would never lie. Like, even if Bobby's wrong, presumably he did something bad. He's in prison. He did his time. He paid his time. He whatever. served his hard time. He served his hard time. And he got his ass whooped by a prison guard. And his prime ribs stolen, so, don't forget. This seems like Boss Man's the heel. Like, yeah, the way and, this is done. And Boss Man wasn't a nice guy until 1990. I just, I just don't think it's right to, like, challenge a guy to a fight while he's still... He's not even out yet to say anything to you. You know what? You're like, right. That, Hashtag Team Nails. Yeah, like, it's just... Something about this, like, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, like, well, all the way through. It didn't rub me anywhere, yeah. actually. I hated this feud. It was very poor. Nails is a horrible worker. If it was anyone else, I always say it would have been a good feud, but yeah. he was so terrible. Anyway, this is a long squash. His boss man just beats Bennett it's down. It's a feature contest. It is yeah. featured. 
puts him away with the boss man slam and next up we have Papa Shango making his entrance as Gorilla compares him to the boogeyman which is funny yeah he's not even here yet <laughs> no so. the uh, jobber Buck Zoomoff doesn't even get a graphic for his name now is this the Buck Zoomoff that I know about with the boom box and everything the same one he looks so dirty here like <laughs> Like, he looks like such a... What happened to this guy? Because he was, like, a big featured guy yeah, in, like, another promotion. AWA, right? Yeah, he was, like, a rock and roll Buck Zuma. Yeah, like he, was he wasn't like, good. He wasn't good, but I'm saying, like, he was a guy that was, like, not a jobber. Well, when you come to WF, you, you know... Play with and, the big boys, I guess. Well, like Papa Shango, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Gorilla makes fun of Papa Shango's tattoos. Uh, yeah. Shango does nothing in the ring because not only is pimping not easy, neither is wrestling for him at yeah, this point in I time. Yeah. Bobby brings up cameo from WBF Body Stars and says she's in love with Mr. Perfect. Yeah, plus one for the cameo. <laughs> you loved cameo, right? Listen, I love cameo a lot. <laughs> she's pretty, she's cute, and she's also like witty and fun. She's and, good. Like, I had no problems with cameo. Yeah, no, she's um, fine. Until she got the bad hair. I, she I, had some bad 90s hair. So in the beginning of WBF Body Masters or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Body like, Masters, please like, call she, it that. She... She looks like Cammy from Street Fighter. A little bit. Like her, she has like the long ponytail. Mm -hmm. We get a crappy drop kick by Pappy Shango. <laughs> yeah, Pappy. <laughs> and then Bobby insinuates that Cameo is a bimbo. Hey. <laughs> and I watch it, Bobby. Watch it. Gorilla continues to jab at Bobby for Flair losing. Like he's just being a dick at this point. Well, I mean, I mean, Bobby, Bobby was, was always a dick, right? Bobby since SummerSlam has been an ass about Ric Flair. True. For like, like six months straight, yeah. right? Nine months straight. He's being like, a dickhead about yeah, it. Yeah, he's been really dicky. <laughs> That's true. Shoulder breaker gets the pin for uh, Shango here. And uh, he puts his hat back on before leaving, which was funny. Horrible music. Oh, God. What yeah. is yeah, this is really like the, it's like the demolition music all over again. <laughs> yeah, really. More WBF body stars now. Gorilla hops the uh, hypes the TV show here, yeah. followed by a promo with Vince and Cameo. Uh, Quinn, you get to see them dancing, riding bikes, and working out. And Vince has some really horrible marketing here. He's like, yeah, it's about health and fitness, hanging and banging, <laughs> riding and sliding, food and fun, fashion and passion. So I, I'm just excited that we get to finally find out what hanging and banging is all about because. <laughs> Hulk has, has told us for so long about hanging and banging, and I, I've been really looking forward to a whole show of hanging about, and banging. about hanging and banging. See, I was excited for that and the riding and sliding also, because yeah. I'd never heard of that one. Well, don't they go down a water slide like in the opening or something? It I might. swear that happens, but... You might, you might be right there. <laughs> so anyway, back to Mooney here. Yeah. Fucking go to Boston tonight, you dickhead. Just go to Boston. Promo from Brett. Yep. You know, all I wanted to do was win back the Intercontinental Belt! Ugh, I, <laughs> so, like, I I'm realizing this the more we go back to Brett just yeah. how much of a fucking asshole he is uh, like, he's supposed to be I know but I just never consistent really thought character. about it until we we really started to examine it and really wrestling with shadows kind of opened my eyes to all of it a lot more no one could win with Brett because like if he cuts like a confident heel-esque promo then the, oh he's a dick but then if he's like with Santa it's like oh he sucks and he's <laughs> what people need to shut up about Brett Hardy he has, he's really he has, good and he's always been good the problem is that he he's like, good he goes from zero to a hundred with the way he like the way he he's is. good there's no in between bret hart is good he's I, always I, been good it's always like i'm the best and what like, do you want him to say i'm the worst i, I just feel like he that's know, his character i for some reason in my brain i got the impression that he was more respectful to his opponents he's he but never he, but he says really, they stink but he never really is in he my just opinion. says he's gonna beat them but he only says he's the best generally and but i just why would he think anyone else is the best i just i feel like he doesn't have respect for like anybody he fights that's not true listen to a bret hart promo all the time he's putting over his opponents 
It's just the way. Oh yeah, Sean's promo is great. Yeah, but he's a heel. Like, there's a difference. Like, it's worse though. It's a worse promo, it. yeah. but it's a worse promo. He's like, you know, you're satisfied. Sherry's satisfied. I got news for you. God's green earth. It's just the only thing. Jeff, he's terrible. The in only thing I just want to say one he last stinks. thing about Brett is just that it appears he was always this way for some reason, and I just never noticed it. Like, yes, that he, he was. He's always like way too confident. His whole character is that he believes he's the best. That's get his character. But it just it, it makes you kind of want to see him get punched in the face after a while. He, like, well, good. I don't yeah. care. I like I like him. Back I'd rather the, see Michaels get punched in the face with a stupid. Well, you should. He's a horrible person. Exactly. In, in the feud, like he's yes. supposed to be that. Exactly. Though. That's why I'd rather see Brett punch him in the face. <sighs> okay. uh, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> no, whatever. That's what I thought. Okay. Sean's not good in 92. There's a lot of overratedness with him on the Fair. mic and all that. Like, he stinks. Fair. I got news for you. That whole thing. He's terrible. He's also like... He's new, not good until like 94. He's also like new to being like a singles wrestler. So is Brett, yeah. you know? Uh, he's Relatively. More, they tried to push him 14 times before that. So that I was think dumb. He has some experience. I don't know what they were trying to yeah. do with him in like 88. Yeah. And then they just put him up against Bad News yeah, Brown and no horrible. one wins. Yeah. That was bad. Back to Gorilla and Bobby, who hype what we got coming up next week. We got Ric Flair, Quinn. Yeah. We get a special interview with Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. We get a ugh, Paul Ellering in the LOD. I, that, I wouldn't <sighs> want to watch that show no. because that's there. And Repo Man versus Bulldog Already. will be the feature match. Yeah. <laughs> they're fighting each other in the garden. They're fighting each other here. It's a big feud that they, no one cared about. I have to say, they're hot-shotting a lot of feuds going on right now. They really are. There's yeah. a lot of shit going on. a lot on. of stuff just like, it's happening now. <laughs> yeah. Like It's like, no build-up, nothing. No. It's like, just have them fight. <laughs> and uh, Gorilla throws to the Repo Man who cuts the same exact style promo he that we just saw. fucking dogs. <laughs> Damn it. Bulldog tells Repo Man, to bring his leash because I won't be tied down. Yeah. You bring your leash because this British bulldog will not be tied down. And Bobby, of course, throws in the obligatory Whoopi Goldberg hairdo I reference. I love that we close the show. With that. The, la- the last thing we hear is like, ah, oh, you should get his hair done by Whoopi Goldberg or something. Oh, I'll see you next week. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's how it. it ends. Well, Quinn, that was a very poor episode of Wrestling Challenge. I was There's, very <laughs> unsatisfied with that. Very like, bad show. I, 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 Shawn Michaels isn't satisfied till he wins the title. <laughs> I was very unsatisfied with that show. Yeah, that was bad. And now, I, granted... We kind of know what we're getting into with Wrestling Challenge. I mean, it's yeah, not like there's... But, but that but, was just a... It just wasn't a good episode of Challenge. I've seen better. Yeah, me too. Did it feel tired to you? Yes. I didn't like anything crush, that they were... Yeah, crush, Repo Man. And Shango. Shango. LOD. Yeah, like too much of that. Tatanka. Skinner. Yeah, enough. There's better things in 92. That's like pretty much none of it, though. And folks, thank you so much for joining us here for closing out the year, believe it or not, Quinn. Well, this yeah, is it. It's uh, New Year's Eve. Let, let all the acquaintance be forgot or whatever yes, they say. exactly. That's what they say. And folks, thank you so much for not forgetting us and join us next week and next year as we uh, kick off a new year with episode number 112. We will, of course, be back with more of your great retro wrestling topics. We'll be reviewing something and two more go into the pool for the Royal Rankings. Until that time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, Join the group on Facebook and check out our Patreon. See if you might like it. Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next week, until next year, keep those cameras safely rolling. I am Joe Murata, and that is Michael Quinn. We are out of here. See ya.
Vince McMahon. Join Cameo and me for a behind-the-scenes look at the superstars and the super bodies on WBF Body Stars. If you're into bodies and what makes them look so good, then you don't want to miss WBF Body Stars. Every Saturday morning on USA, it's about health and fitness, hanging and banging, riding and sliding, food and fun.